I'm John Bailey, and on this week's episode of Popcorn Junkie, we'll be reviewing the Lego Movie, as well as its sequel, The Lego Movie 2, the second part, the uh, unwarranted remake of What Women Want, What Men Want, uh, the latest Liam Neeson revenge thriller, Cold Pursuit, and a new creepy kid horror movie, The Prodigy. Let's get started. Will you help me rescue my friends? You don't want to go anywhere near the Sistar system. It's ruled by an alien queen. Only the toughest are going to get out of there alive. Who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? <laughs> yes, you are. I'm a queen, whatever I would not be. I'm getting super evil vibes here. I could change my form to something else if this makes you uncomfortable. Hey, guys. No, go back. The horse was much more palatable. I got a home and a play phone. I got to get it, baby. No, it did not. A1, hit him with the A1 song. Since day one, not the A1 side. Lucy. Emmett, did you draw stubble dots on your face? What? No. <laughs> are you? I'm your worst nightmare. You're me when I'm late to school and I forgot my homework and my pants are made of pudding? No, I don't. I think I mentioned it in my 100th episode, but the Lego movie is still one of my favorite uh, animated movies of all time. I think it's wildly creative. It makes its use of sort of the in-universe idea of like the Lego bricks in motion is fantastic, and it takes a lot of inspiration from like the brick, brickmation sort of YouTube channels that that people have done, or the animation style that that does, and that is basically added some fluidity to it through CG. But like everything in it is based on a Lego product that actually existed. And the writing is solid, it's very clever, it's very subversive, it it, it goes against, you know, the stand. I mean, while it does follow the standard formulas, it goes against them while doing so, and it has a great twist. And so, when they announced the sequel, I was, you, you kind of feel like, okay, I mean, I get absolutely why, because, of course... I mean, that's one of the most profitable animated movies of the last of the of this past decade. So of course there's gonna be a sequel at some point. But how? What do you do then? So uh I revisited the first Lego movie and I gotta say, it still holds up, actually. I I like the you know, once again it's CG that's based around the restrictions as you know, brought to you by the Lego products. Uh, Lord and Miller are phenomenal directors and uh, writers. They're very, cle- they're able to work very in a very clever way, even for a kids movie. And they've shown that also with uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. It's got an amazing voice cast. Uh, it's a satire of capitalism, despite the fact that it's it's a literal uh, n- like a hundred minute toy commercial, um, as well as a story about yo know, just. Playing with Legos and what it means to play with Legos. And it's just some amazing camera work for the action sequences. Uh, the whole, you know, and of course the twist half that, that goes into the climax that's, uh, well, let's face it, it's going to be a part of, uh, it's been a while um, since the Lego movie came out. And it's and it's going to be in, essential to the Lego movie too. Uh but yeah, the twist being that this is all going on in the in the imagination of a little kid who's playing with his dad's Legos, who played by Will Ferrell, who is much more methodical and wants a wants to use the Legos as like 
models and wants to put them on display instead of play with them. And it's a, and it's kind of like breaking down like, okay, you, these are meant to be played with their toys. They're not meant to be, tur- you know, you can't, like, as much as you can use them to turn into models and make intricate little things. That's great. But ultimately they are toys and they are all they ought to be played with it's kind of like um toy story 2 in that way where it's like yeah you could put these toys on display but a toy is meant to be played with that is the essential nature of a toy it's for a kid or anybody to really to just to just to take hold of let their imagination run wild and just have fun so yeah the lego movie the original is phenomenal still after five years and so the second movie kicks off exactly where the first one ended, which was um, uh, Will Ferrell saying, uh, uh, "We now we can let your sister play." And he's like, "Wait, what?" And then it's like, "We're from the." Pl-. It's like little kid voices. We're from the planet Duplo, and we've come to destroy your world. Uh, and it was a nice little joke at the end, and now. That has led into this movie, which is more about, um, sib- uh, uh, you know, two siblings who are at odds with how they want to play a game, how they want to play with toys. Like one is, you know, one wants to play things a certain way. The other wants to play th- the other, not the, since it's been five years, the kid who was about probably nine or 10 at the time is now getting into his teenage years and he's, you know, much more into grittiness and, and angst and, you know, post-apocalyptic universes and whatnot so he's gone in that direction with his imagination while his sister is much more into having fun and playing around with like you know pastel colors and stickers and just letting her own imagination run wild and like that's part and parcel like the twist is like that's out of the bag they can't un they can't deny that that's the that's the overlying story in all of this and that the lego bits are just the animated portions of um the imagination for the most part and so lord and miller are back as writers but the director is the guy who did sky high and trolls and i you can absolutely tell there's a step down in the quality like the first movie was fast paced and action packed and had great use of motion and camera work this is much more static. I mean, there are great animated bits. Like, I will say, um, Tiffany Haddish plays the queen of the Sistar system. Once again, not as clever. It's 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 all kind of like a slight step below the last movie. Um, but yeah, the Tiffany Haddish plays the queen who is a constantly shifting um, uh, sort of miasma of like whatever it she's queen whatever i want to be and uh yeah exactly and she does so by like forming into humanoid shapes or various animals or sometimes just amorphous blobs it it's 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 a very solid animated uh character i definitely uh commend uh the animators for that but 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 at the same point the step the there are very few the action sequences are much um there's much more space in between them and uh then when they happen they're not as kinetic as the last movie they're much more static 
And uh, I think it's just a, you know, that's just a difference in directing style. I think this guy's much more workmanlike and is, like, even Sky High, the action sequences were, the camera wasn't really moving. It was still kind of in one place. That's kind of how this guy rolls. Um, uh, but, yeah, I will say it's a logical next step in the story. You know, now that the sister has been introduced, this is, we're ta- we're dealing with the two, with the brother and sister now. And it's still some good voice work for the most part, but our the the side characters from the last movie are much more downplayed. Uh, they're much they may, may as well be background characters, and the main focus is on Emmett and um, Lucy uh, Wildstyle, uh, and how their relationship is, has is kind of shifting in a way where uh, Emmett is be, first being told that he's got to grow up and quit being so childlike and innocent while, um, you know, while Lucy Wildstyle has to come to terms with who she is. Like, is you know, is she truly this brooding, uh, you know, sort of goth, goth fantasy chick? Or is she more well-rounded than that? Is she, you know, does she need to, she needs to, she feels the need to come to terms with who she was before she uh, adopted the, the name Wild Style. Uh, and then, of course, you've got the, uh, the uh, General Mayhem, the uh, played by Stephanie Beatrice here, who is mostly speaking through a vocal vocoder or some sort of auto-tune effect to hide her voice. But when she, but even when she speaks without that that effect, you, I couldn't recognize her. That, that could have easily just been nameless voice actress number thirty-six, uh, for all I knew. And, you know, the animation is still solid. The animation hasn't dropped in quality, thankfully. Uh, this is still phenomenally amazing animation from Warner Brothers. Uh, and, you know, but the, but at the same time, like, now we've added more musical numbers. And we've added, so, and even on top of that, while I think some of the, compo- I think the composer and I think Mark Mothersbaugh wrote the songs for the last movie as well. But he's writing the songs here and they're, they just, everything's just not the, just slightly less in quality. Like, everything is awesome, immediately gets stuck in your head. The song that they tried to say gets stuck in your head in this movie is just not as catchy. I will say, uh, Tiffany Haddish sings fairly well. I never knew she had it. I mean, it's not like she's belting out, like, uh, Susan Boyle-level pipes, but for, for but when she's compared to, like, Will Arnett and Charlie Day trying to sing... Uh, she's actually managing to hit notes. <laughs> so uh, that's the other thing, too, is that musical numbers are great when the people can sing. Don't do musical numbers if your actors can't sing. I'm just going to say that out loud. And then, of course, there's the character of Rex Dangervest, uh, played by Chris Pratt as well. I won't give away what happens with him, but I was concerned about him just being a, basically a Chris Pratt stand-in. And those bits are there, but he's much more... It's much, there, there's much more to it than that. And I won't go into spoilers too much. Uh, suffice to say that the spoiler bits do make it, do make it a lot more, a lot less clever and a lot more convoluted. So the story is a bit, the, the overall story is a good progression from the first movie, but the actual details are, very uh, are a very hot mess it's like oh you this here's this great lego masterpiece you've built but like oh the, it's like when you look at the what the bricks you used it's like oh oh you look at it close up and it's like oh wow that's 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 wow okay you did that okay we're going there now oh okay 
So yeah, overall, uh, the Lego Movie, the, uh, the Lego Movie Two, is about as good as you could expect following something as, uh, as as such as such a, you know, uh, just uh, dark horse coming out of nowhere, unlike anything else you've really seen before it, like the Lego Movie. Um, I was talking with, uh, some online friends I met in person, uh, over the weekend, uh, while I was going to the movies and like, we were just happened to be at the same restaurant by, by chance. And we were talking about it and they brought up, one of them brought up, uh, Deadpool 2, how that first Deadpool just like, there was nothing else quite like it. And then trying to follow that up was not, was, was always going to be hard because you're basically trying to do the same thing again when it worked so amazingly the first time, how do you follow that up? And that's basically the same thing here. How do you follow up something as some, something as as um, as awesome as the Lego Movie? And what you ultimately get is a slightly lesser Lego Movie, much more akin to like the Lego Ninjago Movie, I would say, uh, more so than like even Lego Batman, which I think was about as on par with the as the Lego Movie was. But yeah, I mean, it's it's it was following up the first Lego movie is always going to be tough, but that shouldn't deter you from seeing this. It's not bad. This is essentially my pick of the week, but at the same point, I wished it could have been more like the first movie. And what we did get was just like I feel like if Lord and Miller were still directing it, and I'm guessing they didn't because they were initially working on Solo, but if they had still directed it, I think it would have been just as good. But yeah, I think we also saw this with Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs too. too. When Lord and Miller come up with a great idea and then they don't, they're not the ones following it up. It's always going to be just a slightly lesser quality. That's all. Uh, but overall, yeah, pick of the week because not much else came out. No, nothing else better came out this week. This is not a curse. This is a gift. You better think, think, think about I should tap that ass. Little lady, what you doing at the big boy's table, huh? Two grand. I'm bluffing these fools. I'm missing Real Housewives. Shaq finally has a winning hand. Why am I thinking in the third person? I smell toast. Am I having a stroke? Wait, I have toast in my pocket. Whew. I'm going to open up with an apology. Uh, I'm guessing not a lot of people caught it. I haven't heard anything about it. It's only been a week, though. And, I, and yet, all I could think about this past week was bringing up black foolishness during the trailer talk of last episode of, uh, about this movie. That is not my lane to discuss it. If I brought it up because it was my first thought when I saw some of the scenes in the movie, but I, you know, and I heard that li- from listening to Double Toasted and previously Spill. Uh, Corey Coleman brings it up a, a, as a terminology and as a trope in uh black movies uh that he sees that have that's essentially that sort of type of comedy to them and that's not for me to bring up that's not my lane to be in uh if he wants to bring it up he he should be the one to bring it up and people within the community are should be the ones to bring it up and if i want to bring in the conversation i should be in, in the passenger seat and they should be the ones driving it so I'm not gonna, so I'm not gonna bring that up again for this review. I'm gonna make this more about the fact that who's 
whose idea was it to make what women want again? Because I thought we agreed that that one was a mistake. That was a bad idea. It was the 2000s. Mel Gibson was the hot stuff at the moment. We all agreed that was a misogynistic mistake, and we moved on. Like, this was this this premise that's being that's being proposed to us was a 45 second Chappelle show skit, and they turned that into two hours. That's what we're getting with this movie: a 45 second Chappelle show skit turned into a two hour movie. What? What only really worked for 45 seconds was now extended into two... I'm, 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 I'm emphasizing this because I'm baffled that this, this was clearly a 90-minute premise at best. Why are you extending it to two hours? Like, that's the thing. I, the trailer made it look obnoxious. It mo- and the parts from the trailer are still obnoxious. I did not expect this movie to be tedious. Like, this movie was dragging me across the finish line just because, ugh, why isn't it over yet? Just end. Ugh, so much, it's so needlessly padded out that the actual subplots that they have going on are completely dropped and, and, and just pick up at the end of the movie like we're supposed to remember that that was a subplot that was going on. Because it's so needlessly padded out with BS. Who write? You're not. This is what editors are for to cut out the bullcrap so that everything's streamlined from the script writing process to the actual film editing process. Who who okayed this? Ugh. Not to mention the fact that this is essentially a setcom premise where like. I can hear the opposite gender's thoughts. I could use this to my advantage. And it's like, oh no, it turns out the real power was the friends we made along the way. I gained... I gained nothing from this movie. And I... Hey, you know how uh, previously I said that, you know, 2019, I haven't had a cynical thing to my list. Welcome, thank you, What Men Want. You were the first movie to finally add something to my list. You're, one, you're currently my least favorite movie of 2019. Thank you for that. Ugh, this is a January release, and somehow it got pushed ahead two weeks! Two weeks! No. Yeah, two weeks! Because Miss Bala was the one before this. So this got pushed ahead two weeks! This was supposed to come out alongside the kid who would be king! And somehow it ended up Like, just before Valentine's Day? I'm just... I'm just baffled. This is a true how-did-this-get-made podcast-worthy movie. Like, I will absolutely... I would... I absolutely cannot wait to catch up on them. And by the end of this year, I fully expect a What Men Want episode. Because you... This boggles the mind that it even exists like i thought we all once again i thought we all agreed what women want kind of a trashy fave you know uh problematic fave if you want to call it that not a very good movie has a lot of problems with it but people can but you know it's got it's it's got some level of charm about it so it 
skirts by with that base level of charm, and even though it's re- it's really problematic and pr- and mostly misogynistic, here it doesn't. It has most of the misogyny is gone because it's not in the main character; it's in the side characters. So all you're left with is a really stupid premise. Like, oh, I could hear men's thoughts. That means I can excel in the world of sports management and agency. Okay. Okay, then. Like, I understand wanting to reverse the roles and make it more about the glass ceiling and women's empowerment. And yet, that is such a minor part of the movie that it might as well not even be a theme at all. That plays... More is played into her lying about having a family in order to sign a a a like a high school grad barely graduate like LeBron level like first like LeBron straight out of high school's first draft sort of character and it's more about how oh the person the the person that I the person I'm pretending is my husband is actually my love interest and we're actually in love by the end of the movie but Oh no, it's revealed that I'm a liar. Oh no, he'll never forgive me. It would have been nice to act like for a change. Like, no, you you literally used me to, to advance your career. Never speak to me or my son again. Get out of my house. Like only in romantic comedies or is, is that a thing like, well... You basically abused my trust and and used me as a prop in order to advance your own career. But I guess since you said you're sorry, then we can give this another shot. Some people don't deserve other extra shots. If somebody's an asshole, you drop them until they actually show real remorse with actions, not nice words. That's the real world, kids. Anyway. Just... Oh, so yeah, so much is spent on this love interest character that there's a whole bit where her friend gets married and it's like, oh my God, if her friend's getting married and she gets her powers from the bachelorette party. And then it's like, oh crap, we forgot that the friends are in this movie. And so they're just thrown in the second half of the movie as though like, oh, hey, remember these characters exist? They're Totally part of this movie, you guys. And that's where the whole wedding scene comes in, where it just goes completely off the rails and, like, wigs are being pulled off and hair is being torn out and people are fanning themselves in church. It's... And none of it's really all that established. It's all so superfluous. And it feels like it's just there to be, like, something out of a Medea movie. That's why I brought up the whole Black Foolishness thing. But... I'm, but aside, just aside from that, there's no reason to be for it to be in this movie. It's just, oh hey, these scenes are fun to show and be like, oh oh gasp, you know, melodrama, and it's like, you know, it's 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 it's, it's basically so that we could get to be a, a you know a member of that congregation fanning ourselves like, oh my, this is getting heated, and it's like, no, this is stupid. This is they're they are so this is all unnecessary to the plot. It goes nowhere. I mean, hell, there's even a sub there's subplots about 
who is preventing her from advancing in the company. And even one where somebody turns traitor, and those subplots go nowhere, and they show up out of nowhere. I mean, like, okay. The one where she's trying to determine who is preventing her from advancing her career, that makes sense. That would be a reason to use that power. It gets dropped halfway through the movie. And then, and then, in the, and then, and then, in order to have a suspenseful climax, they throw in a like traitor reveal. This whole traitorous like double cross thing, where it's like, oh, I'm act, I, oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to sign this person to a whole different team outside of the company. And then that that just goes entirely nowhere. It's just there because they couldn't figure out any other way to to upend the plot uh it's so so stupid uh and yeah just the dialogue is terrible people like there's like there's a scene there, like a perfect example of how this this movie doesn't it it, it doesn't understand how people actually think that there, there's a it's in the trailer where it's like the one dude she's talking to is like, what does this going on? Except the secret poker game tonight. Who thinks like that? The only reason you think like that is because you want to advance the plot forward. That's all. Nobody thinks like that. You know, she would be better off hearing it in passing. You know, you'll hear it get thought in passing like, oh man, I'm going to, man, that, man, you know, so, you know, Jake's going to lose all that money. Then I can't wait. You know, or somebody's thinking, oh, shit. Man, I can't believe Shaq agreed to this again, yo. After we to- took all his money, you know, or like somebody's thinking, uh, or like Tracy Morgan's character, who is basically just Tracy Morgan. Uh, it's like him accidentally thinking out loud, I "Can't wait to be in that poker game, you know? Yeah, uh, I'm gonna steal all those guys' money. I get to be the host this time. It's gonna be fun." And it's like that would make more sense. That's how people think. Like, who thinks like? While talking to somebody, thinks to themselves, except for the secret thing that only that only somebody who's a telepath would understand. Ugh, this is such just awful, awful writing. I don't understand why this movie exists. I never understood why why it came out. One, what women want wasn't that good of a premise in, in the first place. Two, switching the genders automatically doesn't make it better. Three, attempting to make it better by addressing actual... Uh, you know, actual problems within society of women being held back gets, gets, gets ignored in order to do just generic rom-com bullcrap. Like, I mean, I was expecting a bad movie. What I got was just a slog and just a complete waste of my time on top of being obnoxious. So this is my unpopcorn of the week for sure. And this is so far my least favorite movie of the year. Hopefully, it get, hopefully it doesn't get worse than this. If this is the worst 2019 can offer, great. But we'll see about that. I thought you were a kidnapper. Not all the time. When you drive the same road day after day, it's easy to think about the road not taken. But I picked a good road. And I stayed on it. Nels Coxman. Citizen of the Year. Good for him. We need rooms tonight. Oh, I'm sorry. You need a reservation. Excuse me. 
a reser... Do you have any idea what I can do to you on TripAdvisor? I think it's interesting that at, from the first shot of this movie, I was able to determine it was based off a Scandinavian-style dark comedy thriller. It turns out that it was actually directed by the same guy who directed that original movie. So, I mean, but yeah, I mean, I've seen enough of those type of movies to to completely, completely correlate uh, the two. So, let me pull up the original. Uh, this new one, Cold Pursuit, is another Liam Neeson uh, revenge thriller. Hans Peter Moland is the director. Oh, we share we're birthday twinsies. Hooray. Anyway, uh he directed a movie uh, about uh 5 years ago with Stellan Skarsgård. Uh you may know as um the physicist uh who is who is the physicist name in uh, the in in Marvel? Uh Let me see. Ba ba ba. Where yeah, Thor, uh, Seligman. No, that's an infomaniac. Uh, Selvig, Eric Selvig. Uh, yes, him. Uh, Eric. So yeah, he plays Eric Selvig in Marvel. He was in Mamma Mia. He was Bill in Mamma Mia. Uh, that's kind of who he is now, known nowadays. But uh, he, apparently, he uh, was in his in. Uh, this was Norway. I think he's Swedish. I think he is Swedish though. Uh, yeah, he's Swedish, so he, but he was back in Scandinavia to make, uh, Kraft, Kraftid, Kraftidjotn, uh, I want to say, uh, but the English title is In Order of Disappearance, and it's him, uh, who, playing a snowplow driver, uh, in Norway, and then his, his son gets murdered, and so he starts a war between two mafias, uh, a Norwegian one and a Serbian one. And that's basically the same premise, premise for Cold Pursuit. The guy uh, per, uh, basically correlated the two and made the same premise. Just uh, it's in Colorado now. And uh, Liam Neeson's it's Liam Neeson's in the role. Uh, and his son gets caught up in uh, in in with a drug dealers gang. And they and when something happens and he's uh basically injected with heroin to make it look like he's a junkie but after he's killed uh Liam Neeson goes on a, goes on to f try and figure out uh who did this and bring just and and bring justice to his son and he and it turns out it's very eff somewhat effeminate but kind of like a hipstery drug lord named uh go goes by viking who is played by tom bateman from who was uh last in murder on the orient express as book b-o-u-c and who's probably best known for uh the tunnel i think on on uh what was that for uh oh he was robert jekyll in uh, the jekyll and hyde thing that uh was that no that was something else Okay, no, that wasn't uh, the terrible one that, uh, what's-his-name from Moffat did. Uh, that's something else. 
but he was one of his first things was in the tunnel uh, as not in one of the main cast apparently, but I can't tell if this is BBC or one of the other channels. I th- but it's British TV, I think. And Tom Bateman played a character on that. That's kind of where he first broke through. Uh, but yeah, most recently he's been. Oh, he was a uh, he was one of the Medici's in Da Vinci's Demons. So he's had bits and pieces there. Uh, his last big role before this was Murder on the Orange Express, though. And here he's kind of basically, I mean, true to his own last name, he's kind of like Patrick Bateman as a drug kingpin. And uh, because Liam Neeson is going on this rampage, the other rival gang is actually headed up by, where is it? Where's his name? Come on. Uh, let me pull him up in the credits. Here he is. Tom Jackson plays the guy, plays White Bull, the head of the Native American uh, and indigenous people, uh, indigenous sort of crime family. Uh, Tom Jackson, best known for uh, Skinwalkers. Uh, he was on Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, he's he's a very pride of lions, Deadfall, a whole bunch criminal intent. Uh, so he's been in a whole bunch of stuff. He's been a long-standing uh, Canadian indigenous actor, and uh, he plays the head of this crime fa- crime family of all indigenous uh, people of all indigenous uh, gangsters, played all by indigenous actors, and that's and it's sort of um, Liam Neeson inadvertently setting off a gang rivalry that somehow involves Emmy Rossum. Hey, remember Emmy Rossum? She's here now. Uh, yeah, she plays the cop who has something to prove in trying to bring down these crime families, but apparently she was free from uh, filming filming the latest season of Shameless, so they got her for, for a couple of days. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag. Um... I think the biggest problem is it doesn't translate directly from the... I'm, I have to go watch the original Norwegian film, but this movie definitely could have used some tightening up because it the cops are fairly, like, superfluous to the whole plot, and they're just... And yet, what they're... And you know, that's the case. You know, not all characters need to, need to move the plot forward, but... It's more like they don't add anything to the movie. They're just kind of existing. I think the other one's William Forsyth. It's like, there's like a whole subplot of Emmy Rossum leading on an ex-boyfriend from Denver to get information to try and bring down these crime families. Laura Dern is real, is pretty wasted in this movie as Liam Neeson's wife. And he, uh, Frank Baldwin uh, adapted the screenplay for this. Uh, this is his first real movie it looks like so yeah I, I think having somebody who knows how to write thrillers more plus it suffers from not knowing what it wants to be i feel like the original one probably leaned more on the dark comedy but instead of going full dark comedy it tries to be taken light it tries to be it's on one of the other liam neeson taken ripoffs that he's done since then like non-stop or uh what was the one he did in Germany with uh, Diane Kruger? Uh, what was that one called? Uh, 
crap, where is it? Uh, like 2014 or something. Da-da-da, Taken 3. Uh, nonstop. Was it before that? Breath of Titans, The Grey. Unknown. I think that was it. Yeah, Unknown with Diane Kruger. A uh, bunch of stuff. That, you know, it's, it's kind of, it was more in line with, part of it was like that and didn't really uh, go as far as it could have and to comedy. And that's, that's the thing. is like the comedy bits are funny. It should have leaned more into being a comedy, like a farce. But instead, it ended up just being a a not as good taken rip rip off sort of movie. And I feel like I feel like that may have been a problem with Hollywood being like that. Could have easily just been producers being like, "No, we got Liam Neeson attached. It's got to be more like Taken." It's like Liam Neeson can do comedy. I just rewatched the Lego Movie. He is amazing in that movie. He is <laughs> he plays comedic so well he can do comedy let him be funny but no he's gotta be the stern badass who's always taking kicking ass and taking names i that was a terrible Liam Neeson impression i'm so sorry but no i mean it's like he's able to be funny but this movie wants to push that that not that taken ripoff aspect of it rather than just letting it be funny like there's a bit where um, the indigenous uh, gang gang gets free uh, free entry, you know, free rooms in a hotel because, hey, w- so do you have a reservation? Excuse me. Do you know what you just said to me? Do you know what I could do to your to your hotel on Yelp? Like that bit is funny. That is great. Co- That's like solid comedy there. Like it's not laugh out loud, but it's like. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know, it's like chuckle to yourself comedy. It's like great, dark, twisted comedy. And yet this movie doesn't want to stay, stay there. It want, it doesn't stay in the comedy lane because it wants to try and be taken, but it's not taken. So why not just be funny? You know, I feel I feel like um, there are a bunch of other... I think Seven Psychopaths suffered from a bit, from something like this where it wanted to be more of a comedy, but somebody decided, no, we gotta make it action-packed and thrilling. It's like, we can do that, but be funny. Like, we have a we can have a dark, twisted sense of humor about stuff, and somebody wanted to take it too seriously. Uh, I don't know what happened. So I'll see if I can find that Norwegian film at some point. That and Miss Bala. And, uh... And the the Untouchables are the ones I need to go check out uh, the originals too to see just how badly the American remakes uh, try to tell the same story. But overall, Cold Pursuit has the feel of a Scandinavian dark comedy, but the writing never wants to go that far. It always want it always tries to keep itself as a it's like halfway in the lane between in the lanes between being a taken another taken ripoff and being a sardonic like dark comedy and it never wants to settle on which lane to be in and i feel like if you had Liam neeson actually doing a dark comedy it would have been great but so much of this movie just basically feels like another taken ripoff that it that it's that it's ultimately wasted miles's brain is extremely well developed he may need a specialist you must be miles 
Miles is dangerous. I don't feel safe with him in the house. Oh my god. He's so different now. I feel like I don't know him. Last of the reviews for this week, and it's something I wasn't quite sure what to make of from the trailers. One was one made it look like a possession movie, and then the other uh, kind of inferred more of like a reincarnation thing. I will admit they they go up front, they are upfront about it, so it's not a real twist in the movie. Uh, but they are implying this is about reincarnation. I won't give the specifics about it, but suffice to say that the idea here is. It's basically the omen, an omen style movie where the kid is creepy and a sociopath, and it, it, it turns out, oh, he's got the past of a killer behind him. And I'll say this: it's not. I I don't think it was that bad. I didn't think it was all that bad. Um, I'll say uh, I, I'm not familiar with the with the people behind it. Nicholas McCarthy is the director. Uh, I've never heard of any of the movies he's directed. Uh, something called The Pact at the Devil's Door and Holidays and Holidays looks like there's a guy in a rabbit mask like he's doing a freaking um, what's it called uh, oh it's an anthology movie so he was one of the directors on that and then The Pact is the first okay he's a British director it looks like so he's a British horror director this is kind of he's starting to make his foray into Hollywood uh, he, he, I think he's a solid director, uh, but the writing is done by Jeff Bueller, Bueller, uh, and he helped write, uh, the Pet Cemetery remake and the, oh, oh, he's, a uh, he, wait, what did he write on Jacob's Ladder? Oh, no, he's doing the Jacob's Ladder remake. Okay. I was going to say, he. He was working all the way back doing Jacob's Ladder? No, he's doing uh, the remake of Jacob's Ladder. But, um... Oh, he's also doing the Grudge Ramp? But basically, this is the writer of the Midnight Meat Train, which is, from horror fans, what I hear, one of, you know, one of their favorite, uh, like, uh, foreign horror movies, or, like, you know... Uh, I, yeah, it's Russian. It's a Russian horror movie uh, that I know people really... It's, it's taken from a Clive Barker short story. And I know people really dig it. Bradley Cooper's in it. Leslie Bibb. Brooke Shields. Vinnie Jones? Neat. Uh, yeah, I, I never got the chance to see it, but I've heard good things about it. I've heard a lot of people really dig it. And I can see why this guy is getting tackled with The Grudge and Pet Cemetery and whatnot. This dude is... Wait, is he producing or... No, those are all writing credits. Um, so he, this dude knows... I mean, he's also working on the sci-fi series Night Flyers, so... If anybody's seen that, he also did a segment in ABCs of Death. Um, but he's also got something else coming out called Down Satan! Exclamation point. Down Satan! Uh, Gregorius believes God has deserted him. And if his prayers won't be answered, he'll seek God's uh, attention by building hell on earth for the devil. Betrayal begets anger, hatred, and finally... Uh, 
And finally, Madness. This insanely evil new hell destroys all who enter, even Gregorius' daughter Cecile, as she seeks to rescue him. Interesting. T- interesting. I like it. Sounds like a really twisted horror comedy. I'm down for it. Uh, or could it be taken completely seriously. But that, but that title and that premise makes it sound like a comedy. Like Little Nicky, but better written. And then uh, The Hell Within follows, uh, now titled Black River, follows a woman from New York on a quest into the heart of the Brazilian jungle to save a missing girl, only discovered that the child was just the beginning. Okay, so it's another one of those kind of things. Kind of sounds like Green green Zone, not Green Zone, what's it called? Uh, what was the thing that uh, Eli Roth did? Green something or another. Let me see. Titles. Uh, what was it called? Green Green Inferno. Kind of sounds something like that. Hopefully it's not as uh, offensive. But yeah, I'll say this. Buell, Buller? Buell, I want to say Bueller. B-U-H-L-E-R. But uh, yeah, Jeffy here uh, from starting the Midnight Meat Train to getting where he is now. He is, I think, a fairly solid writer. I didn't. Most of my faults were not with the writing so much. Uh, I think it was more with the directing. I think McCarthy is not as good of a director as he could be. But, um, like, Taylor Schilling, or maybe it's the actors, too, because Taylor Schilling is the mom here. And I'm not familiar. Oh, from, oh, Piper from uh, Orange is the New Black. Okay. Also in Atlas Shrugged Part 1. That kind of says it all. So, like, she isn't really that great here. And maybe she's better on Orange is the New Black. So, once again, it could be an actress thing. It could be a director thing. It's hard to say at this point. But, um... You also have, uh... Peter Mooney is his dad. And he's kind of like a... He's like a... Almost Joel Edgerton light sort of guy. Uh, he is known for Camelot. And We Were Wolves? Some, I think it's a British actor. Uh, no, Canadian. So he's a Canadian actor, and, uh, he ultimately, I think hiring somebody who, so I think he may not have been that, I, I don't think he was that great, but he's also not given a whole lot to do. Schilling has more to do in the, in the storyline. Um, but the real star of this movie is Jackson Robert Scott. Uh, he's a, he's a young guy. Wait, who is he in It? Georgie! Aw, it's little Georgie! Uh, yeah, little Georgie has his next movie where he is the omen, basically. Uh, and he, I gotta say, this kid has got a bright future ahead of him, even if it's just in horror, because the dude is good. Like, for all the praise people give um, James McAvoy for what he did at, uh, as uh, the Horde in the whole Shyamalan superhero thing, this kid is able to do that but just with the two characters, and honestly, way better. Uh, like, this kid is able to switch between a genuinely traumatized child and a murderous psychopath. Uh, I, can't, I couldn't tell you if he was a socio or psychopath, but, I mean, he is a manipulative liar and, like, a just, just like, almost a, a just straight-up serial killer. And... The kid's performance sells this movie. It is the reason to see it. You see this movie for the kid because he is basically the newest. Like, if The Omen was made today, this kid would absolutely play Damien. Because he has not only the look, 
but the performance down pat. Like, I haven't seen a kid curse this much since Chloe Grace Moretz and Kick-Ass. It's been, it's been a while, so maybe they do it more in indie films, but this kid is, like, saying some of the most heinous stuff imaginable as this as this killer. And then he has to just 180 in the next scene and be like, Mommy, I'm scared. And it's, like, genuinely heartfelt. Like, this kid has got, this kid's got real potential. And if he can keep, keep getting roles where he can do great things like this, he'll be fine. But, uh, yeah, this, yeah, basically the idea is that this kid was born the same, born and, you know, and it's suggested that he has sort of the soul of a serial killer, uh, reincarnated within him. And it's like, what's really going on there? And, uh... You know, and it's it's a twisted movie. I definitely feel like it's a it's a, it's a full on send up of the Omen. I, it's definitely if that's it's definitely taking a lot of pages from the Omen's book here. And once again, yeah, Shailene is not the best. Like she's not she's kind of wooden. So the other adults, the adults in this movie are not very good. But the kid is phenomenal, and I think the storyline is solid as a horror movie. It's much more of a psychological thriller, but doesn't afraid. It, aside from like one scene, it isn't afraid to show gore. Like there's a scene early on where a babysitter steps on a broken light bulb and has a bloody foot, and you see, and we, there's an extended shot of her pulling glass out of her foot. And then the only time they don't show blood when they could is when uh, the kid, when the when uh the main character kid attacks one of his classmates with a with a with a monkey wrench and that clearly could have gone more bloody if the parents allowed their kid to go through makeup but they kept the they, they kept that one pretty chill oh for the most part everything else isn't just doesn't it never shies away from blood other than that one sequence so yeah some of the dialogue could be better but overall, I think this worked better as a remake of The Omen than the actual remake of The Omen that they did for 2006, so they could release it on 6606. Um, so yeah, this is like if they did a sequel to this, I would not be, I would not be just like I would be okay with it. I would be down for more of this, especially if they brought this kid back for it. If they did Prodigy Two with this kid and his new family, and like following up from the events of this from the last movie and trying to figure out what's really going on with this kid I would absolutely be down with that as long as it was written about as well like I would be okay like this is I like this movie but I acknowledge that it's flawed and it's not going to be the best movie but I feel like it deserves a little bit better than like 50% on Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic and whatnot I feel like it's a little bit better than that but I'm also, but like, I'm so used to just absolutely w- terrible horror movies in theaters. Stuff like Escape Room, uh, The Forest, uh, stuff that uh, stuff that Blumhouse releases. The Conjuring stuff is, <laughs> which we'll get to in the discussion. Uh, but when I so when I see something that's mi- that's just mildly competent, I'm like, oh, this is great. So I'm I'm a bit biased. I'll admit that. I'm not. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen like really, really good horror in theaters because we're in the dregs of the release year. Uh, but I'll, but I think the Prodigy is solid, and I would absolutely for especially mostly horror fans. I don't think it's going to blow everyone. It's not going to blow anybody away. But I think for a good like psychological th- uh, horror that doesn't afraid to that isn't afraid to get bloody. I and as like a send up of the Omen, 
If you want something that's like The Omen, but better than a lot of the sequels and the remake, I would say watch this. So, with that in mind, uh, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to brew some tea because my throat's starting to starting to be starting to kill me and uh we'll be back and the discussion will be about what to, what we have to look forward to in 2019 into every generation a slayer is born one girl in all the world a chosen one and alongside her are the watchers we are the watchers once more with Feeling is a 20th anniversary Buffy fancast where we gather and watch episodes of Buffy, discuss them, and release it every Tuesday. Grr. Arg. I'm back, got my tea, and I'm here to discuss the future of 2019 in film. Uh, now, I'm going to skip next week since that's going to be part and parcel of the trailer talk, but uh, so, but we're going to s- start with the end of February, the 22nd, and How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. I'm not quite sure what to think of this. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming it's the same people behind it. And I, I do find it odd that they're like, this is one of the, we're starting to see a trend where like the third chat, the third part, the the second sequel to a movie starts changing up how it's titling. So it went from how to train your dragon, how to train your dragon Two, and then how to train your dragon, the hidden world. It, it, it feels weird that that's, uh, specifically, uh, what it's uh, you know that it's specifically going that far uh, to differentiate itself like here's the new sequel and we've completely changed how we name the movie like uh, like that's the thing with Marvel is every sequel in the series followed the naming pattern of the sequel before it so it's Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is going to be called Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 Iron Man and then Iron Man 2 and 3. And then everything else will be like colon subtitle. Colon sub superhero colon subtitle. Whereas some t- this and then John Wick coming up later in the year also decided to just completely throw their naming pattern out the window and just throw in a subtitle because reasons. I don't know. I don't know what the thought process behind that. But uh, the premise uh, for that one is going to be uh, basically... Uh, they find a, another Night Fury, uh, an albino one, and a mysterious dragon utopia called the Hidden World, and they must protect it from their, the new villain, played by F. Murray Abraham. Interesting. And, uh, yeah, I've liked the How to Train Your Dragon series. I'm gonna have to cover all three for this one, but we'll see. Uh, I hope it's the actual definitive end, and it doesn't pull a Toy Story where it's like, oh, hey, we're back with How to Train Your Dragon 4! Ta-da! You know, it's like, sometimes you can just end a trilogy, add a trilogy, you don't need to add more to it. And then, uh, it looks like expanding that same weekend is gonna be Fighting with My Family, which is the story of, who is it, Paige? Is it just Paige? Uh, Ryan, uh, yeah, Paige, uh, from WWE. I'm not sure if, uh, 
same woman. Uh, yeah, uh, same woman playing herself. And this is going to be sort of a dramatization of her life story from uh, being a kid growing up in England, being a fan of wrestling, being a fan of, uh, you know, you know being, a, being from a family of wrestlers, to how she finally made it into the WWE. And uh, she's playing herself, I think, I don't know if... Uh, Stephen Merchant is uh, directing and writing. He apparently is a big fan because uh, I did not expect Stephen Merchant of all people, uh, you know, co-host of the Ricky Gervais show and you know, co- uh, British comedian, the voice of Wheatley, is writing a direct, wrote and direct the story of Paige from the WWE. You do not some things you just can't make up, uh, but. Who's pl- who's her brother? Uh, Nick Frost is Ricky Knight. Jack Loudon plays her brother Zach. Uh, so the only person really playing themselves is Paige, and then uh, you've also got Dwayne the Rock Johnson as himself because apparently he was involved in her uh, in her uh, in her rise to fame in WWE. Uh, I think you've got uh, Lena Headey's in here. Florence Pugh, Vince Vaughn is the coach. Nick Frost is her dad, like I mentioned. Uh, but I think, and I'm guessing there's going to be a whole bunch of uh, WWE uh, in jokes uh, for this one. But it looks good. Uh, it looks. It. I mean, hey, Paige, if nothing else, uh, has an interesting backstory. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, I think that's going. It doesn't. It's slated for this week, but I think that's in limited release. So I think it's going to open wide against uh, How to Turn Your Dragon. So we'll see how those do. Uh, next up on March 8th, no, March 1st, sorry, uh, is the big release I could find was Tyler Perry's A Medea Family Funeral. And supposedly this is also going to be the final Medea movie, which as a film critic, thankful, thank God for that. Thank God. Thank Jesus. Ugh. Sorry. Sorry about that. That's terrible. But yeah, I'm, I'm done with Medea. I'm genuinely done. I've never gotten the appeal of Medea, and every Medea movie I've seen as part of this show has been a, a chore just to sit through. He, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I can't speak to Tyler Perry on everything, but like, I don't think. I think the best he's done for me was mediocre, which was uh, the only thing I remember seeing of his that wasn't Medea was. I mean, before uh, I started really getting into movies was Daddy's Little Girls. Uh, And I I really can't say... Like, maybe he's better at other stuff, but everything that has to do with Medea has been terrible. Like, the only thing I really actually enjoyed of his recently is Nobody's Fool, which was mainly because of Tiffany Haddish. (laughs) But, like, the Medea stuff... uh, Temptation, uh, Confessions of a Marriage Counselor, uh, what is it, uh, Acrimony, just all kinds of just the worst movies, but hey, it had a black cast in it, so at least those actors got work, uh, it's, it's so bad, and I don't, I can't speak to him as a creative type, because the only creative stuff I've seen has been just, you know, crowd pleasing. Yo, know, hey, fans love Medea, so let's just give them what they want. And I'm kind of glad that he can finally drop Medea and focus on what he wants. But I've never found him all that creatively good. Like I think he's 
I think he tends to focus on tropes and never really go and stereotypes and never really does goes to the degree of writing genuinely good characters. He just makes like Medea is basically somebody's black uh, aunt or grandma or mom or something. Somebody has this woman in their family, and it's just the joke is that it's him in drag. And yeah, we, I think he can do better. So hopefully he can finally move along from this. Um, they're also talking about Greta and Apollo 11 being released on this date, but I don't know about that. Greta looks good. Uh, it's a Neil Jordan, uh, direct, uh, movie and, uh, it's Chloe Grace Moretz and Zoe, Zoe Ashton, uh, French actress. Uh, no, that's not, that's somebody else. Uh, Isabel, Isabel, Isabel Huppert, Isabel Huppert, Huppert, whatever, uh, uh, but yeah, it, there's a French actress uh, playing Greta. Uh, like, she was the star of um, Lars von Trier's last movie. And uh, we'll see if that when that actually gets released for me. I, it's hard to tell. IMDb uh, uses the dates for, like, New York and L.A. So who knows when this will get wide release. Anyway, March 8th, the big release there is Captain Marvel. Looks good. Uh the merchandising is kind of given away that that cat plays more of a role than I thought it did, but it also turns out that that's a cat from the that cat is actual character from the comics. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we we finally get the scrolls on screen. The scrolls have finally been introduced into the Marvel universe, and if they have the scrolls, that means they can finally start introducing the Fantastic Four because those two were part and parcel. And uh, we'll see how that we'll see what happens with them. Uh, but yeah, Brie Larson looks great. Uh, Sam Jackson is uh, is oddly de- looks really interesting. I mean, there's not much they had to do. They just had to basically de- remove his wrinkles, and he basically looks the exact same as he did in like Die Hard with a Vengeance and uh, the, his Spike Lee and all the Spike Lee movies he was in. Annette Bening's in this though. Um, ben Mendelsohn is in here. Lee Pace is reprising his role as Ronan, the Accuser. Uh, uh, Jude Law is playing Marvel. Uh, the original Captain Marvel, Clark Gregg is going to be in here as Coulson. Uh, I think Jamon Honsu reprises his role from Guardians of the Galaxy in this. So there's going to be some th- throwbacks to old Marvel co- to Guardians of the Galaxy and the introduction of Marvel Cosmic, and the and the movie looks fun. It just genuinely looks good. So here, we'll see that when it comes out. Uh, next up, March fifteenth, the main releases I have for that that I could that I could uh, verify were five feet apart, which is another um, uh, health exploitation movie. I think I'm going to call them call them maybe six exploitation, uh, disease disease exploitation. There you go, disease exploitation. Where it's basically in in the vein of after um, John Green gained popularity through uh, uh, the Fault in Our Stars. People didn't. The takeaway wasn't oh, people just like these characters and it's very well written and we should write books like this. The takeaway was kids like stories about, kids like romances about being sick. So let's write a bunch of those. So you got Cole Sprouse in here uh, who has been killing it apparently on Rivendell. Rivendell. <laughs> Rivendell, where's that? Where's that? Where it's like the emo angsty version of Lord of the Rings. Uh but you got Haley Lou Richardson, who I like, uh, who's been in Edge of Seventeen and Split and a bunch of other stuff as the, as the main love interest. And then Cole Sprouse, uh, who's been on Rivendale as Jughead, as the two love interests of this really, 
really stupid looking disease movie where it's like you have to be five feet apart or else you catch each other's diseases but if you were in the hospital wouldn't you also catch those diseases because of all the nursing staff it's not like they're all in hazmat suits or anything this whole thing is stupid this whole premise is stupid and it's once again it's this is sadly the 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 madness that john green has wrought by writing a good book once something is good, everyone tries to make it exploit a version of it. So here we have disease exploitation with five feet apart. God, these are terrible. These are all, all awful movies. So I don't expect that to be any good. Uh, the other one that weekend is going to be Wonder Park, which I've only recently started seeing stuff for. Apparently it's Nickelodeon Paramount Pictures. So uh, the animation looks decent. I mean, it looks, hey, it looks, it doesn't look any worse than uh, anything from DreamWorks. So good for them. Uh, you've got Jennifer Garner in this, Keenan Thompson, Mila Kunis, John Oliver, Ken Jeong, Matthew Broderick's in here. So you've got, uh, you know, an interesting eclectic cast of, of, of actors playing this basically sort sort of a little girl trying to read it, basically reconnecting with her imagination, uh, through this amusement park she dreamed up with her mom as a kid. And uh, we'll see. Part of it looks annoying as hell and doesn't look like something I'd enjoy. It looks like the really bad kid movies. But it could be good. I mean, the animation is good if nothing else. So we'll see how it turns out. I couldn't find confirmation for this anywhere else. But apparently that same weekend, a Nancy Drew movie of all things is coming out. Which I thought we gave up after the Emma Roberts (laughs) one. But apparently they are trying to do another Nancy Drew movie. But I don't know if it'll actually hit theaters. Uh, Nancy Drew and the Hidden Staircase and the oh 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 in theaters March 15th we'll see about that but oh if you want to see just the worst photoshop job look up Nancy Drew on the Hidden Staircase on IMDB and just or even just google image search nancy drew in the hidden staircase and just bask in the absolutely terrible photoshop job they did for that poster oh that is that is awful um sophia lillis oh oh beverly beverly from it uh so we were talking about georgie from it being in the prodigy beverly from it is is playing nancy drew neat uh so we'll see how that turns out if that ever comes out but okay I mean, Nancy Drew, you'd think would make for a solid movie, but I don't know. We'll see. I couldn't find any other confirmation of that coming out, though. So uh, next up, March 22nd, Us from Jordan Peele. I want to go in knowing as little as possible. All I need to know is that it's Lupita Nyong'o, Winston Duke uh, as the parents, uh, these two kids. And it turns out they have doubles. We don't know how. Tim Heidegger is apparently in there. Uh... Elizabeth Moss is in here. Uh, not a lot of other recognizable names to me. Tim Heidecker, I definitely popped out. And then I know Lupita and uh, Winston, two uh, Black Panther alums, uh, playing husband and wife here. And uh, it looks good. Uh, yeah, it looks it looks like a like it looks like Jordan Peele so- won't suffer from the sophomore slump, but we'll see. Come uh, March, uh, that same weekend, we've also got. Hotel Mumbai, which is a dramatization of the the terrorist attack on uh, the Taj Hotel in Mumbai, India. Uh, Anthony Maris, Maras, Anthony Maras, I'm not sure, but he is known for The Palace, which I'm not familiar with. The Palace? 
Cyprus 1974. Cypriot family flees advancing Turkish... Oh, crap! He's dealing... With... Okay, so this is something he's... He, it looks like he may be uh, Mediterranean, somewhere around the Mediterranean, maybe Middle Eastern, but I can't... But, I mean, he's talking about Cyprus and the Turkish invasion of that. Uh, he also did Azadi, which... Is a sh- which was which was a short film uh, from 2005, probably his first movie. Uh, but yeah, the Hotel Mumbai is uh, centering on the terrorist attack that happened there. Uh, if you don't remember that, I think it was 2014, maybe 2013. Uh, uh, Dev Patel is going to be the star uh, with Army Hammer playing the uh, supporting lead. Uh, you've also got uh, and then most of it is pro- uh, Amandeep Singh, Suhail Nayar. Uh, yeah, the only real recognized Jason, okay, Jason Isaacs, there's somebody else I recognize, but most of these people are, seem to be either, uh, Indian, maybe, uh, Middle Eastern descent, so it's gonna be mostly unknowns, or people who are unknown to the U.S., but, uh, Dev Patel is the star with Army Hammer, uh, supporting, and it's basically gonna be about the terrorist attack, uh, from the producer of Sicario on Wind River, good, solid, um, the uh, poster list. Ter- okay, there it is. November twenty sixth, two thousand eight, uh, is a terrorist attack in in, in Mumbai. Uh, Death Patel, Army Hammer, uh, Nazamin uh, Bonyadi is the female lead with uh, Anupam Kher, Anupam Kher, Kher, K H E R, and then Jason Isaac, Isaacs. So uh, that apparently came out like maybe internationally last week, last week, last year. But it's slated for release uh, domestically here in the U.S. Uh, in March. So we'll see uh, if that comes out. Uh, hopefully, uh, once again, some of these are not set in stone because they're not tentpole releases. So we'll see uh, whether or not they come out. Like that same weekend, we've also got The Dirt c- slated to release according to IMDb. Which, oh, no, that's why I didn't release it. That's why I didn't mention it. It's because it's about Motley Crue and it's for Netflix. So it's coming out on Netflix and then they're just releasing it in New York and L.A. to qualify for stuff. Um, so, yeah, Us and Hotel Mumbai are the main releases for that weekend so far. Uh, March 29th, you've got Dumbo from Disney. So, we got that to look forward to. Um, they definitely changed a lot of stuff around, so it's not going to be a shot-for-shot remake. So, at least there's that. Especially after what we've been seeing from Aladdin, we'll get into that. Uh, Ava Green, not, not shockingly, for she's a Tim Burton fave. Uh, Colin Farrell, Michael Keaton, another Tim Burton fave. Danny DeVito, another Tim Burton favorite. Alan Arkin's gonna be in here. Lucy DeVito. Wait, Lucy DeVito? Like, like, are we talking daughter of of Danny Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman? Daughter of Danny DeVito and Rhea Perlman. Ha! Uh, so yeah, she's gonna be make a, a minor appearance in the movie. Uh, like, she doesn't even have a named character. They just, it's like, hey, Lucy DeVito, you know Danny. He, his, 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 his little baby girl's in here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's definitely room for improvement. You can remove a lot of the racist elements from the original. And I don't know about making the center the kids. I feel like Dumbo should still be the main center of the movie. But uh, we'll see how it plays out on screen. Uh, I'm dubious, but we'll, but there's enough difference that we'll see how the actual, how they actually, uh, Apparently this is based on a novel. I did not know that. Aaron Kruger is the screenwriter, though. Uh, one of the screenwriters. And he is no... Okay, The Ring. 
solid. That was a, he was up, he was also attached to Dark Side Dark of the Moon Transformers. Okay, that's not a, a bunch of the Transformers movies, like three of them, but that doesn't mean anything. Ghost in the Shell. Okay. Uh, Tin Man, the TV movie, Brothers Grimm, he wrote, Skeleton Key, Ring 2, Ring, The Short Rings, Scream 3, Arlington Road was like one of his first ones, uh, which is Tim Robbins and Jeff Bridges, suspect his neighbors are not what they appear to be and their secrets could be deadly, okay, uh, so yeah, we'll see how he does uh, writing Dumbo, I think this is going to be his first real quote-unquote kids movie, uh, made the talisman. Like the Stephen King talisman, or yeah, Stephen King and Peter Straub. Apparently, he's adapting that novel. I hadn't, I had it, I never written it though. Uh, to save his mother from certain death, young Jack Sawyer enters a parallel world known as the Territories in search of a powerful. I think that's part of that whole Dark Tower universe too. Uh, anyway, so yeah, Dumbo. We'll see how it plays out when it comes out, but I'm I'm very cautious. I'm very cautious about it. And then the other definitive release that weekend that i could find was something called wounds which i had never heard of uh zazie beats and army hammer and dakota johnson disturbing and mysterious things begin to happen to a bartender in new orleans after he picks up a phone left behind at his bar okay so it's gonna be one of those kind of noiry thrillers sort of things so yeah zazie beats uh who was recently uh recently gained to prominence by playing domino uh with army hammer again He's going to have two, looks like he's going to have two in March. And then Dakota Johnson. So we'll see how that plays out. Who's behind this? Uh, Babak Anvari, uh, who is done only two other things. Under the Shadow and Two and Two. Uh, Under the Shadow being uh, a thriller from 2016. Mother and daughter struggle to cope with the terrors of post-revolution war-torn Tehran in the 80s. Okay. So he's, I'm guessing, probably Iranian, maybe? Not a lot said about him in his IMDb. And then 2 and 2 is from uh, 2011. It was a short film he did. So, yeah, we'll see uh, how that plays out. You know, it's very hard. So the problem with a lot of these international directors trying to break it in Hollywood is that they'll get steamrolled by producers who will water down whatever they're trying to make. So... We'll see how his turns out, but apparently that's also slated for release uh, against Dumbo. So, anyway, moving on to April. April 5th, we've got Shazam! So, uh, DCEU looks like it's on the rise, so hopefully we can, it can gain, we can re, uh, it can regain itself and regain its traction and be, and be on par with Marvel. Because, hey, two of them, two superhero, two quality superhero productions going on at the same time is a good thing. So, uh, yeah, Shazam looks like fun. Who's behind it? Uh, David F. Sandberg, who is known for Lights Out. Okay, interesting. And Animal Creation. Okay, so he's actually a horror director. Interesting choice to, interesting choice to adapt Shazam. Uh, but looks good. Mark's, who's Mark Strong playing? Dr. Thaddeus Savannah. I'm not familiar with that character. But yeah, Jaman Honsu is the wizard Shazam. Uh, but, uh, you got Asher Angel, don't not familiar with him. He's going to be playing the, Billy Batson, and then Zachary Levi is going to be playing uh, uh, the the character Shazam, uh, formerly Captain Marvel. And uh, yeah, it looks it looks like fun. I mean, hey, DC is t- not taking itself too seriously. That's a good thing. So 
That same weekend, we've also got the remake of Pet Cemetery. I brought that up in the Prodigy, the writer, same writer there. Uh, you've also got two, I believe, Danish directors. I want to say Danish. Born. Not telling me anything about this guy other than they went to Long Island University. Uh, let me take a look at the other guy. I think one of them's Danish. He's got an umlaut in his uh, in his name. Uh, starry eyes, the absence. Oh, he also worked on holidays. Uh, anyway, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, anyway, these two guys are are adapting it with uh, Je- with our buddy Jeff uh, Bueller and David Kaganovich Kaganovich uh uh, who was written some? Uh, who wrote that true story movie that Jonah Hill and James Franco did, and a bigger splash before this? Interesting. He also wrote the uh, Suspiria remake, so so this should be fine. Uh, I mean, it's hard. I mean, you can't beat the campiness of the original, but if they can play it seriously, play it straight, and be good, that'll be fine. John Lithgow as as Judd uh, is an interesting take. Uh, I mean, hey, John Lithgow is not a bad thing. And then uh, Jason Clark here is the dad. Uh, he should be fine. He's, I think he's able to manage that role. Uh, yeah, Pet Cemetery looks interesting. Uh, I can't wait to see it. And then that same weekend, we've also got The Best of Enemies, which is yet another white dude's attempt to try and talk about, can't we all just get along, based on uh, the true story of civil rights activist Ann Atwater uh, and head of the Ku Klux Klan, uh, C.P. Ellis, uh working on the board uh, working on the school board during a time of integration in Durham, North Carolina. And once again, Sam Rockwell's playing yet another you know, tr- you attempted to be redeemed racist piece of garbage. And then Taraji P. Henson is in this and like those are the only two real names. Anne Heche apparently is in this. Wes Bentley, John Gallagher Jr., Bruce McGill. But like not all racists need to be redeemed. And then, like, this guy has only been a producer this whole time, and now he's all of a sudden writing and directing. Like, he's the producer on The Hunger Games, Seabiscuit, and Pleasantville, and Free, Free State of Jones. And now all of a sudden he thinks, well, I can make my own movie. And, you know, some guys just don't break well. And this definitely feels like a yet another white people trying to say, can't we all just get along? And, you know, uh, when white people try to try to tell black stories... A lot of times it doesn't work. We saw that with Green Book. Green Book is white is white people trying to tell black stories, and it's if you unless you have, you know, you know, a finger and like an ear and like knowledge of the black community and listen to their voices and take what they're saying and apply it, it's just going to come off as tone deaf. And this definitely comes off as tone deaf. Uh, so I think there's a reason they pushed it away from, uh, from trying to be Oscar bait. To pushing it into 2019, where hopefully people will forget it. That's a big. That's a big sign for me. Anyway, uh, next weekend, April 12th, we've got Hellboy, which uh, you got the guy from Stranger Things. The, one of the sh- one of the characters, one of the actors from Stranger Things, David Harbor, is replacing Ron Perlman. I think he does a solid job. Ian McShane is in the. Um, uh, oh, why can't I remember his name? Uh, who was he in the last movie? Doctor Broom. Uh, okay, that's a different thing. Uh, 
Why can't I remember? John something? John, uh, John, 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 John. I want to say John. Hurt. John Hurt. Okay, yeah, it is the same character. Brutenholm. Dr. Broom. Uh, so Ian McShane is the, is the, is the character of Dr. Broom, uh, Professor Brutenholm. Uh, Daniel Day Kim is playing Ben Daimyo. Uh, Mia Jovovich is the main villain, Nimue, the Blood Queen. And the effects look solid. Thomas Hayden Church is in here. Uh, Sasha Lane is going to be playing Alice Monaghan. Uh, yeah, it looks, it looks like a solid, uh, reboot of the franchise. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, Neil Marshall's directing. He's best known for The Descent, Doomsday, Centurion. Uh, he did a couple episodes of The Lost in Space for Netflix. Uh, oh, he's doing the... He's he's apparently attached to do the sequel to uh, Kong Skull Island. Uh, he directed a couple episodes of The Constantine Show. Good. Game of Thrones, Black Sails. But yeah, th- so yeah, Neil Marshall's a solid director. Uh, I think he'll handle uh, Hellboy se- pretty well. And then Andrew Cosby is, is writing. He did Two Guns and wrote on Eureka. Uh, he's also the creator of Eureka. Okay. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, it looks good. Oh, he produced two guns. But, yeah, this is the creator of Eureka writing Hellboy. I think this will be fine. I hear Eureka is kind of in a, a similar vein, only it's a lot more wholesome, I think. Uh, but Hellboy looks good, at least from the trailer. So we'll see when it plays out. That same weekend, we've got the next Leica movie, which is Missing Link. You've got Hugh Jackman as a sort of adventurer, seeking all the world's mysteries. And uh, Zach Alphanakis as a Yeti. <laughs> Uh, Emma Thompson's going to be in here. Zoe Saldana is sort of like the main female character. Matt Lucas, Timothy Oliphant, uh, Stephen Fry. Solid voice cast. And then Chris Butler, who I think just came off of Bumblebee. Uh, but yeah, he worked in the art department for Kubo. He wrote Paranorman, Coraline, Ghost Bride. Uh, Tarzan 2, he's a storyboard artist on. But uh, yeah, he okay, he wrote Kubo and he wrote Paranorman. And he directed Paranorman. So he's the one behind Paranorman. Okay, so this should be fine. This looks like fun, too. It looks a lot like... It almost looks like an Armin uh, movie. <laughs> but, yeah, it looks... It's, it's Bigfoot looking for the Yeti. And uh, they kind of gave away a bit more in the latest trailer. But it, it looks... It, hey, the animation looks great. The cast looks solid. And from everything I'm seeing, it looks good. So I'm guessing like it's going to keep their streak going. Of being great movies that nobody actually goes out and sees. People are awful like that. Uh, and then that same weekend, we've also got something called After, which I barely, like, that's a, such a forgettable name. Uh, oh my god, it's the Harry Styles fanfic. This, this is the, this is, these are the monstrosities that E.L. James has wrought. More terrible fanfic is getting adapted and turned into movies. Jennifer Beals and Selma Blair, of all people, are in this. God. God, this is so... Oh, that's going to be fun to tear apart. Hey, something might be worse than what men want. That'll be good. And then that same weekend is also Little, which is uh, another sort of body change comedy. But this time it's got uh, Regina Hall in it. And then, what's her name? Uh, Issa, Issa Rae. Who I think ha- who's fr- I think has her sh- own show on HBO, right? Uh, Insecure on HBO. Uh, she was tasty in uh, Orange Is the New Black. Uh, she's been a- she's kind of an up and coming uh, black writer, co- a comedian, and writer. Uh, 
What else was she in? Uh, that's producer stuff. Where's she's been a producer a lot? Uh, writing. It's mostly been Insecure and The Choir. And then as an actress, I think. Oh, she was the activist in uh the the Hate You Give April Ofra. Uh, then she was featured in the Nice for What uh video by Drake. So she's kind of been rising more into prominence uh, as a sort of create generator of 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 black uh black content for like hbo and all kinds of stuff uh she's and she's and she's good too like i've yet to see anything really bad from her and here she gets to be more of a you know more of a sort of broad broader sense of humor sort of thing whereas um i think i feel like insecure is a much more cleverly written this is definitely just a full-on slapstick comedy uh so we'll see how it plays out but hey Marci Martin plays uh, the young version of Regina Hall, and uh, she's over from Black, coming over from Blackish, and uh, and we'll see how she plays. I think she's doing all right, so we'll see how it all plays out. But uh, Tone Bell apparently in it. Uh, yeah, I think the problem, the main problem, is gonna be that it's a, it's a, it's it's a premise that's all that's been done to death. So we'll see how this how this group of people from who have been behind like Girls Trip and Night School and uh, what was the other like Drumline Meet the Peoples. Oh, and hey, the director who also wrote on What Men Want. Oh boy. Oh fine. Uh, not Meet the Peoples. Meet just Peoples with uh, Craig T. Robinson. Uh, so yeah, Tina Gordon wrote on What Men Want. Nothing against her, but yeah. Uh, and then keep. And then she also wrote the screenplay for it. So this is her, this is kind of her production more so than what Men Want was. Uh, so we'll see how she does on her own. Uh, I mean, I mean, hey, uh, it, it got a lot of buzz from the trailer. And it looks, I mean, hey, I, I, it's hard to say just from the trailer, but we'll see how it plays out in full. If it's going to be just as, just, just as body and, you know, and basic as as a lot of these comedies tend to be, or if it's going to have more to it than that, and the trailer's not showing us that, so we'll see. Moving on, April seventeenth and nineteenth, uh, we've got uh, a bit of a mix. Uh, Breakthrough is supposed to come out that weekend, which is the newest Christploitation movie. I think the first one this entire year. They entirely missed like the beginning of Lent for Christploitation, which is odd. Usually, there's at least one Pure Flix movie, but yeah, this is the story of the mom whose son. Uh, fell through the ice, and it's like Jesus will save him. And Topher Grace is in it, and and uh, Dennis Haysbert is the doctor. Mike Coulter, Luke Cage is the, one of the rescuers, and it's like Jesus. And I'm just I could not. It looks like such trash. It looks this this is a god awful movie if ever there was one. So yeah. It's all about how Jeebus saved the little boy and not, you know, modern medicine. Uh, anyway. Yeah, and then that same weekend, we've also got suppo- uh, Under the Silver Lake, which is, I think, was supposed to come out last... Yeah, it's the one with Andrew Garfield and Riley Coe from last year, Topher Grace, David Robert Mitchell from... Uh, what's it called? What's what's the... Uh, what's, that, what's my favorite um, production company? What's that... What's it called? 
A24. I, for, I completely forgot. It's been so long since we talked about them. I completely forgot. But yeah. Uh, so that's supposed to come out uh, that same weekend as well. Uh, and also, oh, this is going to be fun to talk about. Hey, you know how I'm not qualified to talk about black black culture? Well, I'm going to have to talk about a movie where the dude from Saw produced uh, a, a story about La, La Llorona uh, from Latin American mythology and centered it on white people. And we got Linda Cardellini as the... As the star of La, a story about La Llorona, where she's apparently uh, haunting a bunch of Hispanic kids who stay with her or are like her. I don't know what, but it, oh, it just makes me, it just, it just fills me with like, mm, mm, nah, I, I, I don't, I don't like this. Like, wouldn't it have made more sense to just have make it center it on La Llorona and center it on, and have it the family be like Mexican or uh from or from Latin America and be like oh my god we know what this is and then like they're the main characters trying to deal with this I don't know like I I I, I this all sits very poorly with me and it also feels very exploitative uh in that regard to be like hey you, you know that thing that you tell each other that you that you uh you know that folk tale that you give to each other that's part of your culture yeah we're gonna make that into a movie you know it's like when disney tried to tried to copyright dia de los muertos after coco was successful like dude capitalism chill out like how about you chill anyway april 26th we end out april with what else avengers avengers is now conquered april apparently the last weekend of april is for whatever avengers movie is coming out and yeah, we're going to follow up the events of Infinity War uh, with Endgame. And apparently people were debating what the actual t- the uh, actual e- subtitle of the movie was going to be. Like, apparently that was a big debate in fan circles when I not, I don't, it could, they could call it Avengers. Screw you, we took all your money and I would be fine with it. But anyway, yeah, Avengers, they're going to f- end the, they're going to end and 12 years of build-up and one movie. Let's see. I, I can't wait. Gotta have to pre-order my tickets for that one. We're gonna start May off and May 3rd with... Oh, boy. Well, let's talk about the, some of the first ones. The Intruder, which is from... I, turned, I learned from one of the people behind uh, Traffic, with a K, uh, and the writer... From the director of Traffic, with a K, and from the writer of Obsessed... Starring Beyonce and Ali Larder and Idris Elba and Lakeview Terrace, one of the one of one of the more one of my more favorite Spill.com reviews, where Corey Coleman gave it a some old BS. Uh, one of those movies. So, uh, yeah, okay then. Anyway, uh, I I still think it looks interesting. Like, um, I mean. Dennis Quaid definitely looks menacing in this as sort of like the na- as sort of like the old homeowner who won't give up. And then Michael Ealy and Megan Good are solid. They're solid. They're solid actors, so it should be fine. Uh, even if it's like trashy, I think I'll. I I don't. I it'll have to be really, really offensive to kind of deter me from it. Uh, but because even if it's just mediocre, uh, at least that's better than bad. So. I'm interested in this. Uh, next up, that same weekend, is something called Long Shot, which I had never heard of. 
but it's slated to come out uh, starring Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron uh, with Alexander Skarsgård. Or is Seth Rogen just producing? Charlize? No, Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron. June Diane Raphael uh, from the aforementioned How Did This Get Made? Uh, Alexander Skarsgård, uh, Penny, the new Pennywise, Andy Serkis, Randall Park, O'Shea Jackson Jr., Ice Cube's son, uh, is, is expanding uh, expanding into more stuff. Ravi Patel, Hamza Haq, uh, James Saito, Aviva Mongilo, Boys to Men, Shao Sun. Uh, and the premise here, is, it's from uh, Liz Hanna, who I'm not familiar, I don't think I'm familiar with, uh, Okay, she was the writer on the post. She was a writer on the post and all the bright places. Interesting. Uh, and Dan Sterling, who is known for HBO's Girls, their Silverman program, Kitchen Confidential, producing Kitchen Confidential. He's a producer. He produced The American Office. Uh, as a writer, he's best known for writing on Girls, writing on the Grinder, the short-lived Rob Lowe, who turns out to be a complete racist piece of garbage. Uh, he wrote the interview for uh, James, for Seth Rogen and James Franco. So that's the same. So that guy uh, working with Liz Hanna should be interesting. Uh, the premise here is Seth Rogen is an unemployed journalist battered by his own misfortune. Endeavor, and he endeavors to pursue Char, uh, Charlize Theron's character, his childhood crush and babysitter, who now happens to be one of the most powerful and unattainable women on the planet. So it looks like it's going to be like a weird romantic comedy of Seth Rogen trying to bang Charlize Theron. Uh, hard-hitting political writer with a talent for troubles. Or, or maybe not. Uh, country's top diplomat with a talent for everything. Uh, reunites with his first crush. Happens to be current secretary of state. Charms her with his self-deprecating humor and his memories of their useful, of, of her youthful idealism. Prepares to make a surprise run for Oval Office. Charlotte hires Fred to punch up her campaign speeches, and their their unmistakable chemistry leads to around the world affair. But Fred's carefree indiscretions, past and present, could bring down her campaign before it even begins. Okay, so it looks like it's going to be a political comedy of sorts, a sort of like a send up of like, uh, and, and Charlie Theron's going to be essentially be playing a stand-in for Hillary Clinton, uh, but taken with a much more comedic bent. Could be good. Uh, Dan Sterling, I've heard mixed things about the uh, about the interview. So we'll see if him uh, balanced out with Liz Hanna does anything for it. Charlize Theron is good. Uh, Jonathan Levine is directing, and he's best known for Snatched. Eh, 50-50. I didn't remember. I don't, I didn't see that. Uh, he wrote The Wackness back in 2008 and Warm Bodies. Okay. This dude's got a bit of a solid track record. Uh, he also wrote The Night Before. Uh, which was the Seth Rogen, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, Anthony Mackie Christmas comedy from uh, 2015. Uh, but as a director, he's mainly done uh, Snatched the night before. Warm Bodies, he also directed 50-50. Uh, the Wackness, he also directed. All the Boys Love Mandy Lane. Uh, so this guy's a, you know, a, a solid a track record for the most part. Uh, we'll see. It, it could be good. Uh, it could just as easily be absolutely awful and unwatchable. So we'll see come May. Uh, and then that same weekend, oh boy, did I get in trouble for bringing up this one? Ugly Dolls. Yeah, I, met, I brought a, I made a joke about how the Ugly Dolls get a movie, but, uh, and that apparently did not sit well with the creator who made sure to let me know that his stuff is still totally popular. 
David Horvath is a petty little baby who does not like you talking trash about his little creations. Anyway, Kelly Asbury is the director here. He's from, he used to be on uh, DreamWorks and uh, Disney. He worked in the New York Department on Beauty and the Beast, directed Spirit Styling to the Cimarron, directed the first Nomeo and Juliet, uh, directed Shrek 2. He also directed uh, Smurfs the Lost Village. So most of his directing stuff has been solid. Uh, for the mo- Yeah, Shrek 2 is probably the best Shrek sequel. Some say it's even better than the first movie. Spirit is a good movie. Nomeo and Juliet was fine. And the Smurfs the Lost Village was pretty good. So, I mean, at least it's got a solid director behind it. And then the writer... Oh, God, he did worked in the art department for Ahmed Saves America. Oh, buddy, the things you gotta do. The things you gotta do for cash. Uh, the the writer for this... The main writer for this one is Erica Rivinoia. Rivinoia? Who was best... Who, who's worked on South Park, The Last Man on Earth, Rope Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2, Girls Trip... Uh, she's also written, tro- she wrote Trolls for DreamWorks, uh, worked a lot on TV, Neighbors from Hell, Up All Night, Marry Me, The Last Man on Earth, so, okay, you know what, maybe it's Grounded for Life she's written on, Clone High, Oh, okay, now I'm intrigued, uh, so yeah, apparently it's, it's people with a solid pedigree behind them, so maybe it's just a really terrible, um, trailer that's emphasizing all the worst aspects of kids movies but you've got emma roberts in here nick jonas gabriel iglesias janelle monet bb rexa kelly clarkson charlie see that's my problem is that they're emphasizing all of the of the singers that they've hired as what blake shelton is touted as a voice actor in this pitbull is touted as a voice actor in this as the dog who just dresses up as pitbull and I heard Wanda Sykes' voice, and I think Gabriel Iglesias, I mean, he's in here as a main character, it looks like. But and then Emma Roberts is apparently playing a character named Wedgehead. Okay, that, okay, but yeah, the main character is played by Kelly Clarkson, who has proven that she is not a good actress. She she really is not a great actress. So the fact that they're, they, they could have easily just hired the singers to sing the soundtrack, the pop soundtrack, but no. The singers all have to be in the movie itself. That's, I think, what's making me say, nah, yeah, nah, yeah, nah, I'm good. So, well, we'll see about that come May. Oh, boy. That's going to be fun to talk about because David Horvath's going to throw another hissy fit because I didn't like his little toys. May 10th, Detective Pikachu. Looks good. I can't wait. I'm, in fact, working on something. In fact, I need to get back to work on it pretty soon. Uh, Rob Letterman is going to be the main guy behind it. Uh, he is best known for Monsters vs. Aliens. Ooh, Shark Tale, Gulliver's Travels, and Goosebumps. Okay. I like Monsters vs. Aliens, but I think I'm in the minority of that one. Shark Tale is, is considered one of the worst DreamWorks movies of all time. And Gulliver's Travels was one of the worst movies to have ever been conceived. So, Goosebumps was solid. Detective Pikachu looks good. There are like eight credits for writing, including Nicole Perman, who has written for Marvel. Uh, She's slated to write the Black Widow movie and the Labyrinth remake, as well as the Mobile Armored Strike Command with the K mask movie. Uh, So, I mean, so at least they got one good writer on here. So we'll see how Rob, and I mean, Rob Letterman's movies don't look terrible. So, uh, I'm a bit worried, but you know what? 
We could all, if, if it sucks, it's not going to be the worst Pokemon. It, it is going to have to do a lot to be the worst Pokemon movie. I'll say that. Uh, that same weekend, we've also got The Hustle, which I think I mentioned back in the MGM remake stuff episode. Uh, for I was way back. I was that was one of the early like one of the other MGM remakes. I forget what it was, but um, basically this is a remake of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, starring Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson. Uh, remake of the 1988, uh, 1988 comedy Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, in which two down and out con artists engage in a loser lease town contest. So we'll see if how this turn. Uh, let me see if I can get a na- any of the names. Uh. Chris Addison is directing. He is best known for The Thick of It. Okay. Solid. Veep. Oh, no. He was actor in uh, The Thick of It and the movie In the Loop. Producer on Veep. Himself on Mock the Week. So he seems to be a British comedian. Yeah, born in Cardiff. Grew up in Manchester. So he's a British comedian. Uh, As a director, he's best known for directing Veep. Okay. Directing. He directed an episode of The Thick of It. Directed Fresh Off the Boat. Playing House. This is going to be his first movie. He's also doing something called Hallelujah with Ray Fiennes, composer Handel. He's going to direct the. He's going to direct the making of the Messiah by Handel, starring Ray Fiennes. Interesting. I have become suddenly intrigued, and it seems to be taking a comedic approach, which I did not realize went into the making of the Messiah. Anyway. Uh, the, so he's directing, uh, writing credits go to four people, uh, Stanley Shapiro, Paul Henning, Dale Lawner, and Jack Schaefer. Okay, let's take a look at these guys. So Shapiro, um, that's, he, he wrote the original, okay, Shapiro wrote the original, that's the original writing credit. Same with Paul Henning. Same with Dale Lawner. Okay, those are just, okay, Jack. J- Jack Schaefer is the only one, and she's also tied to the Black Widow movie, as well as uh, the Disney Plus show Vision and Scarlet Witch. Uh, oh, I didn't know uh, she, Scarlet Witch was in that. I just knew the Vision was in it. Uh, she also wrote something called Timer, which I'm not familiar with. 2009 comedy, uh, Emma Caulfield, Ford. If the clock count down on the moment you meet your soulmate, would you want to... Okay, interesting. She's the director and writer for that. Interesting. I, I kind of remember that. Uh so she's tasked with adapting the original screenplay, and the other three dudes were the original ones who made the story. So Jack Schaefer is the one writing this script. The other one is was just writing credits for the original guys. Right? I'm assuming so. Yeah, because the one dude died in 1990. So a bunch of these dudes are dead. So yeah, it's definitely Jack Schaefer. Uh, we'll, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see how a uh, great director, great, uh, uh, well, a solid looking writer. Uh, we'll see how, uh, we'll see how that turns out. So I have a little more faith in that, knowing that. All right. And then that same weekend, Nicholas Holt gets to play Tolkien, but I think it's only in limited release. Uh, Tolkien explores the formative years of the orphaned author as he finds fellowship, love, and artistic inspiration among a group of fellow outcasts at Oxford. Uh, this is, I think, where he also gets to meet um, uh, C.S. Lewis. So Nicholas Holt is playing J.R.R. Tolkien. Lily Collins is his love interest. Edith Bratt. Uh, R.Q. Wilson. G.B. Smith. Uh, Christopher Wiseman. Father Francis Morgan. Mrs. Faulkner. Okay. Uh, Nicholas Holt. Mimi Keene. Genevieve O'Reilly. Uh, this is Derek Jacobi. Uh, from Dome, Dome Karusoki. 
あどドンカルドンカドメカルコスキあフィンランドのサイプラスあヒーフベストノンフォーのホームオブダークバタフライズタマフィンランドラプランドオデシーヒーズスキンナビンディレクターソヒーズフィニッシュディレクターアディスギンビーファーストリアルイングリッシュプロミネントイングリッシュランゴッジフィルムルクスライクアンデンデライダーズアルデイビッドグリーソンウォーオンリーウォーフォーカウボーイズアンジェルズアンデフランドライン Or at least is known for that.、Uh, okay, not a, no idea what those are. And Stephen Beresford,、uh, who is best known for Pride from 2014, which is a British, I think, suffragette, or is it a gay pride thing? UK gay activists worked to help minors during. Oh, that's right. That was about the gay activists who helped the, the minors in 1984. That's right.、I'm, I heard good things about that. So that's the same writer as that guy.、Uh, so that guy's the same writer for this. And.、Uh, Yeah, so we'll see.、Uh, we'll see if that makes it to theaters near me or not. But、uh, hey, Nicholas Holt gets to play Tolkien. Neat.、Uh, next weekend, May 17th, John Wick Chapter 3, in which we introduce Halle Berry and we continue the madcap、uh, adventures of John Wick.、Uh, Chad Stahelski is directing, I think he's the same guy from the last movie.、Uh, John Wick, Captain America, Civil War. Uh, stunt work, stunt work, stunt work, director. John Wick Chapter 2. So, same guy continuing、uh, to direct the series. He's、uh, with Derek Kolstad writing, best known for John Wick, John Wick Chapter 2. So, same, same guys, same guys making the same, same story. So, good for that. Ken Reeves, Halle Berry, Jason Mantzoukas is in here.、Uh, Ian McShane reprises his role. Lawrence Fishburne's back. Angelica Houston's in here. Uh, Lance Reddick shows up, apparently.、Uh, okay. So, yeah, I'm excited. Same guys making the John Wick movies, and the John Wick movies have been solid. Can't wait. That same weekend is also、uh, A Dog's Journey, which looks like absolute garbage. It's the same garbage as the last movie, only now it's a girl starring. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, good. Why? Why? Why is this a thing? What is wrong with people? Anyway, yeah, this looks like garbage again, so skip it. I can't wait to just be done with it.、Uh, then that same weekend is also The Sun is also a star, which I'm entirely unfamiliar with.、Uh, looks like a romance drama.、Uh, teenager finds love at a difficult time in her family's life. Okay, that's all. Charles Melton, Yara Shahidi. Okay, Faith Logan again. So apparently she's in two movies that weekend.、Uh, Jake Choi, Anais,、uh, Anais Lee, or Anai Lee. I think it's Anais. I think that's how you pronounce that. Ri Russo Young as the director, who's best known for, or Rai Russo Young, best known for Before I Fall and Nobody Walks and You Won't Miss Me. So, solid pedigree looks like behind her. Tracy Oliver is, is, a, is writing the screenplay, who also wrote on Girls Trip. Let me see if I can find a better, better storyline, better premise. It looks like we don't have a synopsis for this title yet. Oh, fine. Fine then. Based on the novel, I can just look up the premise of the novel. The sun is. Also, a star. 
Here we go. Goodreads. From from the novel by Nicola Yoon. Uh, or Nicola Yoon? I don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, Natasha, I'm a girl who believes in science and facts, not fate or not destiny or dreams that will never come true. I'm definitely not the kind of girl who meets a cute boy on a crowded New York City street and falls in love with him. Not when my family's 12 hours away from being deported to Jamaica. Ooh, okay. Falling in love with him won't be my story. Daniel, I've always been the good son, the good student, living up to my parents' expectations, never the poet, nor the dreamer, not when I see her. I forget, but when I see her, I forget all about that. Something about Natasha makes me think that fate is something much more extraordinary in store for both of us. The universe. Every moment in our lives has brought us to this single moment. A million futures lie before us. Which one will come true? Interesting. Interesting concept. Uh, I mean, it sounds basically, I mean, it sounds like a lot of other um, stories like this, like the like the per- like the st- stiff, you know, stick up their ass uh, character meets the meets somebody and they finally get, learn to chill out for a, for a second. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see how they adapt that. It, so- it sounds solid. Anyway, uh, that uh, and then May twenty fourth. Ooh boy, May twenty fourth. Hey, you see that Aladdin teaser? You see how stupid. Uh, Will Smith looks as the genie. Oh boy, Guy Ritchie, you just, you just, you just suck at this, don't you? I don't blame you though. I blame, I blame Bob Iger and his cheap ass. God, this is gonna be. Hey, this is gonna suck, isn't it? <laughs> at least the Lion King probably won't. At least John Favreau's proven he can, he can handle these. Uh, that same weekend is also the Superman Man of Steel sort of like next level thing that James Gunn did called Brightburn or at least he's producing it's from Brian and Mark Gunn who I think are his brothers I want to say they're brothers see full bio cousin of James Gunn Brian Gunn Matt Gunn Patrick Gunn and Sean Gunn a lot of guns a lot of guns in that family so he and Mark Gunn are Mark Gunn and Brian Gunn are cousins I think Brian Gunn is the brother let me see or is he another cousin Brother of James Gunn, Sean Gunn, and Patrick Gunn. And so Matt Gunn is the brother. Uh, Mark Gunn is the cousin. So these are, uh, this is James Gunn producing his family, his brother and his cousin's story about basically what if Superman was actually evil. Uh, directed by David Yorovesky, Yorovesky, who is best known for Goth Ravager. He's a fr- So he's just a friend of... Um, He's just a friend of James Gunn. So this is basically James Gunn producing a thing. And then uh, Gild, Gild, G-H-I-L-D, is something Yadovetsky did back in uh, 2011. Starring Michael Rosenbaum, who also wrote. Interesting. Uh, it was just a short film, though. Um, the Hive, which was his, first, which was a UK horror, it looks like, sci-fi. Uh, starring Gabriel Basso, Sean Gunn. So yeah, this, so this dude's been hanging out with James Gunn for a bit, and now uh, he gets to make a Superman movie where uh, Superman is evil, basically. Uh, Elizabeth Banks stars with David Denman and uh, was it Megan Jones? No, Matt Jones. Uh, as the kid, it looks like Meredith Hagner, Jennifer Holland, Gregory Allen Williams, Jackson A. Dunn. Okay, Jackson Dunn is the uh, is the is the kid. 
Uh, alrighty. So yeah, Elizabeth Banks and David Denman are the are basically Ma and Pa Kent. If it turned out that Clark was a serial killer, and like absolutely insane. So we'll see. It looks interesting. I feel like it should have come out way closer to Man of Steel because it feels like it, it feels like it's directly cribbing off of Man of Steel. Uh, that same weekend, we also have Ad Astra, which is James Gray, his new movie, who is worked on The Immigrant from 2013, The Lost City of Z. Okay, Lost City of Z. Uh, we Own the Night, Two Lovers. Okay, it's not a bad, not a bad director. He's a solid director. Uh, his new movie is astronaut Roy McBride travels to the outer edges of the solar system to find his missing father and unravel a mystery that threatens the survival of our planet. Interesting. Starring Brad Pitt and Tommy Lee Jones and features Donald Sutherland and Ruth Naga, John Ortiz, Jamie Ken- Jamie Kennedy. Weird. Like the Jamie Kennedy, like notorious douchebag star of the Tremors, the new Tremors movies, Jamie Kennedy. Damn. Lucky him. He's actually getting real roles now. He's also going to be in a in a movie about Roe v. Wade. With John Voight, Nick Loeb, and Jennifer Bryant Moss. Weird. Weird seeing him in actual movies again. And not like really crappy direct-to-video stuff. Like he was, he was the worst in that late 90s, early 2000s. He was just the worst. So maybe he's gotten better. I don't know. Uh, at any rate, so yeah, that's all coming out in May, and then we end May with two big ones: Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Not to be not Godzilla colon King of the Monsters, not to be confused with Godzilla comma King of the Monsters. Anyway, got Godzilla, new Godzilla. We got Mothra, we got Rodan, we got King Ghidorah. I think we got Psychics too. Uh, we'll see if the little fairies make it into make it in as well. I hope they do. Uh, Bradley Whitford, Sally Hawkins, Millie Bobby Brown, Vera Farmiga. Uh, D- uh, Ken Watanabe's back. David Strathairn's here. Thomas Middleditch is here. Uh, I'm I'm excited. Looks good. You can actually see more of the monsters. We've actually got recognizable monsters this time. It's gonna be fun. I hope. Wait, who's who's doing it? Michael Dougherty is doing the directing, and he helped write. He's he wrote on Superman Returns. Krampus, trick or treat. Okay, I'm happy. Krampus, Mister the guy behind Krampus is doing it. I'm happy. This is his last movie since Krampus as a director. And he's also doing uh, Trick or Treat too. it looks like. So, yay! Krampus guy! He's doing Godzilla. I'm happy. I'm in. And I think I'm going to lightning around the, through the rest of the year. I mean, we're at June, and, I'm, and if I keep going at this rate, I'm only going to end up at like a three-hour episode. So let's run through this. Dark Phoenix. One word. Uh, one sentence. Uh, Dark Phoenix. Why'd they drop the X-Men? Otherwise, it looks just boring. Can't wait for Marvel to take over. Okay, that's three. Sorry. Secret Life of Pets 2. No Louis C.K. We'll see if it's any good. June 14th. Shaft. Three generations of Shaft. I'm in. Uh, that same weekend, Men in Black International. Uh, never thought... Hey, we got to see uh, Tessa Thompson team up with uh, Chris Chris Hemsworth again to fight aliens this time. To fight aliens. Again. They're literally... It's basically just... They're on Earth. Cool. I'm in. Uh, June 21st, Child's Play. Did not know this remake was coming, and apparently Aubrey Plaza is the mom in this. So, uh, Lars Klethberg is directing. He is from Polaroid, The Wall, and, and that seems to be about it. So, I don't know if you're a horror fan who's ever heard of any of these. He's a Norwegian director. 
Uh, and then Tyler Burton Smith is writing. He is his only other. He wrote. He's writing on Kung Fury Two. Apparently, uh, he also wrote for the games video game Sleeping Dogs. And this is and this is his first major motion picture. Best of luck to you, buds. You're gonna need it. Uh, that same weekend, we've got Toy Story Four. We didn't need this, but fine. June twenty eighth, we've got. Hold on, let me catch up on my own notes. June 28th, we've got Ford versus Ferrari, which I'd never heard of before. And apparently it's about an infamous race between uh, for the Ford Motor Company and Ferrari to win Le Mans in 1966. Uh, James Mangold is directing, who, is, who uh, from Walk the Line, who's also produced uh, Wolverine. The, he also, I think he directed Logan. Did he direct Logan? Let me see if he directed Logan. I think he did. Uh, no, he directed, yeah, he directed The Wolverine and Logan, so this is his new movie. And, uh, who are the actors in this? You got John Bernthal, uh, from The Punisher. Uh, Christian Bale is in this as, as Ken Miles, uh, whoever that is. Oh, oh god, John Bernthal's Lee Iacocca, the head of Ford! I know that name! Uh, so I think Christian Bale's the driver, Peter Miles and Matt Damon's in this, Josh Lucas, Ray McKinnon. J.J. Field, Marie, Marissa Petroro, uh, Jonathan LaPaglia. So, okay. That sounds interesting. Hey, James Mangold's good, so he'd have to, do, he'd have to be really bad to screw this one up. Uh, the other one coming out that weekend that I couldn't find on IMDb, but is con- pretty much confirmed everywhere else, is something called Limited Partners, starring Rose Byrne and Tiffany Haddish. Uh, two female friends with very different ideals decide to start a beauty company together. One is more practical, while the other wants to earn her fortune and live a lavish lifestyle. I guess, guess which one is which. Uh, Miguel Artera, Arteta is the director. Uh, he is best known for The Good Girl, Al- Alexander and Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day, and Youth in Revolt. Uh, his last movie was Duck Butter. Okay, then. So yeah, Rose Byrne, who I'm very dubious about being funny anymore after the debacle that was Instant Family. But Tiffany Haddish hasn't uh, d- hasn't uh, soured on me yet, so we'll see. That's supposed to come out June 28th, apparently. And of course, confirmed everywhere else but IMDb, is the sequel that nobody ever wanted. 47 meters down, ungaged! We got a sequel! For God knows what reason! This this is impo- this this shouldn't be possible. This should not be possible. There should not be. A- You're dead. I killed you. There should not be another one of you. How how did this happen? Who let this happen? Why is this happening? Why is it? Why was this allowed to happen? This is why we cannot have nice things. How much money did that piece of garbage make? It doubled its bu- Oh my god! Forty four million dollars. I hate people sometimes. I really, really do. God, I have to look forward to. Damn it! Anyway, July Fourth weekend. There's a Conjuring Annabelle something or another coming out. Fun. Spider Man. Also, Spider Man. Far from home. We got Mysterio. He's in the fishbowl. Looks fun. Uh, July twelfth. Seventeen Bridges and Stuber. Two things I'd never heard of. So let's take a look at Seventeen Bridges first. 
That one is follows a disgraced detective in the NYPD who's given a shot at redemption, thrust into a city with manhunt for a cop killer, he begins to uncover a massive conspiracy. Blah, 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 blah. Crime drama thriller starring Taylor Kitsch, Shanna Miller, Chadwick Boseman, J.K. Simmons, Keith David. Okay. From Brian Kirk, uh, who's worked on David Game of Thrones and Luther, Penny Dreadful. So he's mostly TV. Uh, this is seems to be a major film for him. And then Mike Matthew Michael Carnahan, who wrote uh, World War Z and The Kingdom and Deepwater Horizon and Lions for Lambs. So solid pedigree. Adam Mervis who wrote something called The Philly Kid. Cool. Uh, so that's coming out. And then Stuber was the other one. Stuber. Starring Dave Bautista. A detective recruits his Uber driver into an unexpected night of adventure. Action comedy. Starring from Michael Douse, who is known for... It all, it's all gone Pete Tong. Okay, whatever. What If... Not sure what that is. Goon, ooh, and Fubar. Neat. Age of... And also was directed on Future Man and Preacher. Preacher's another thing. Uh, some guy at my job was saying Preacher's really good. I have to check it out. Mir Sovino, Betty Gilpin, Dave Bautista. Tripper Clancy is the writer. Um, hot, something called Hot Dog. Not to be confused with Hot Dog the Movie. Pair of tactical units, police officers from different walks of life come together to rescue an ambassador's daughter. From Germany. Interesting. So it looks like it's his first real English language movie. And then Michael Douse is a is a is a is a pretty long standing like indie comedy guy. So we'll see. Stuber. Like stupid Uber. <laughs> anyway, uh July nineteenth, we've got The Lion King from John Favreau and Donald Glover's in it and Beyonce is in it. And it's gonna be probably a shot for shot remake for all we know. But who? But hey, John Favreau did all right with the Jungle Book. Hopefully, he doesn't screw up the th- screw up the Lion King. Uh, also, like most of the cast is actually black this time, so neat. Alfred Woodard is Sarabi, replacing uh, sadly the long since passed. Uh, uh, that was the funny thing. If if you know anything about casting, the mo- Sim- Sarabi and the Lion King was was um from coming to america both simba's parents were the same had were the same voices as eddie murphy's from coming to america no joke where is it uh queen uh, queen aulian uh madge sinclair is the voice of sarabi yes simba's parents are the same as what as Prince Akeem's. That's a that is just a fun film fact to know. That's just like, hey, we liked coming to America. Let's make Sim, let's make Eddie Murphy's parents Simba's parents for this. Uh, that's that's uh, that's sweet. Uh, July twenty sixth. Uh, the newest. Uh, what's his name? Crap. Uh, Quentin Tarantino. That's it. Uh, the newest Quentin Tarantino movie, not much is known about it, but it's basically Margot Robbie and Leonardo DiCaprio in a movie about uh, Charles Manson. And Margot Robbie is Sharon Tate, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is Rick Dalton, and no word on... Damien Lewis is playing Steve McQueen. Neat. Uh, but no word on who is playing uh, Charles Manson. Uh, James Marsden's in it. Al- maybe it's Al Pacino. Al Pacino's in it. Uh, Brad Pitt's in it. Uh, we'll see... Timothy Oliphant, we'll see who ends up playing uh, uh, Charles Manson in it. But yeah, it's basically going to be Quentin Tarantino's take on the whole uh, Charles Manson, Manson family thing. 
Okay. Next up, we've got August 2nd with Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. Looks like fun. Uh, the New Mutants is finally getting released. Thankfully, we can finally see what that's all about. Uh, it's basically an X-Men horror movie, and it looks like and it looks really good. Uh, Door of the Explorer is also coming out that weekend because, of course, it's a thing. Uh, Isabel Moner, Isabella Moner is still playing her, and it's really weird to see Dora with boobs. Just, just get a kid. Just, just get a kid. Why are you get? Why are you using a teenage girl? It's so weird. It's so weird. Uh Benicio del Toro is the voice of Swiper the Fox. What is this timeline? I hate it. Uh this is still ha- yes, this is still happening. There is footage. There is a shot of Isabella Monaire in the costume. God damn it. Uh, August 9th, Artemis Fowl. Heard good things about the book. People are dubious about it because it's by Disney. And I can't say I blame them. So we'll see. Uh, basically, it's like a, teen, a little Irish foul-mouthed kid is, the, is a crime lord in, the, in a fantasy world. Uh, scary, that's also the same weekend as uh, Guillermo del Toro's Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, which... Looks, which looks like a more adult version of Goosebumps. So we'll, so here we go. Can't wait. And then, of course, that same weekend is, of course, uh, this movie you've never heard of called Where'd You Go, Bernadette? Which is by Richard Linklater. Okay. Uh, after her anxiety-ridden mother disappears, 15-year-old B does everything she can to track her down, discovering her troubled past in the process. With uh, Kate Blanchett. As the mom, Bernadette, Judy Greer's in this, Kristen Wiig, Lawrence Fishburne, Billy Crudup, uh, Troyan Belisario is the is the daughter Becky, and she's best known for Pretty Little Liars, Lauren, Consent, Feed, stuff I'd never heard of. So this is her kind of breaking out of the major film stuff that I wouldn't have heard of because I've heard of this because uh, of Richard Linklater uh, and Kate Blanchett. So we'll see about that. Uh, August 16th is The Informer, which has been delayed, since, I swear, since 2017. Uh, it's basically, what's his name? Uh, Joel Kinnaman goes to prison. Rosamund Pike is in the FBI, and it's about double-crossing and uh, inform- being an informant to the FBI about drug kingpins and whatnot, going to prison to go undercover. It feels like it's a TV show trying to be condensed into a movie. Uh Apparently, also that same weekend, I was able to confirm Angry Birds Two is coming. Uh, let me take—I have no idea what it's about, but I'm going to take a look real quick here. Uh, let me see. Angry Birds Two. Peter Dinklage is back as the as the Mighty Eagle. It looks like Aquafina's in it now. Dove Cameron, Sterling K. Brown, Rachel Bloom's going to do a voice, probably saying. Bill Hader's back, Josh Gad is back, uh, Jason Sudeikis is back, Lil Rell's in it now, Danny McBride is back, um, Nicki Minaj is in it now, Zach Woods, whoever that is, Eugenio Darbez is in it, a lot of more, a lot of more, hey, you recognize this name, right? Uh, and it just says, sequel to the 2016 film, so, yep, that's that's like five months out and we have no idea what it's even about, that should be fine. Speaking of things that are five months out and we have no idea what they're about, Angel Has Fallen, the next in the line of Gerard Butler is a douchebag, jingoistic piece of garbage. Uh, yeah, now it's about Air Force One. It's literally Air Force One. It is literally Air Force One. We are literally making a movie about Air Force, that is just, is basically just Harrison Ford's Air Force One. Damn it. Hate this timeline. 
Apparently around this time is also supposed to be something called Good Boys, which is uh, Lee, Ni- Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stepnitsky, their movie uh, from year one, The Office. Uh, what else they did? They're doing another Bad Teacher. Um, Smilf, Surrogate Mother, I'd like to, whatever. Uh, Downward Dog, Hello Ladies, Bad te- That's all producing. What's his writing stuff? Uh, Gorgeous Morons, Bad Teacher, the TV series. Uh, yeah, so this is the guy who wrote on The Office and wrote Year One and wrote Bad Teacher. And him and his writing partner, it looks like. Yeah, same stuff. They're doing a, uh, movie, a comedy about teenagers who have to go on a quest to fix their thing, fix something before their parents get home. Nothing, but nothing. Millie Davis is in it. Jacob Tremblay is the star. No idea about outside of that. No screenshots. No trailer. No nothing. It's just it's like a kids' movie. It looks like. Oh well. No. Anyway. Uh, coming up after that, uh, we're heading into September. Finally, we're almost done. Uh, we've got uh, it, chapter two on on uh, September sixth. So we're going to start off September with a horror movie. Neat. Same weekend as last time it came out. Uh, September 13th is Spies in Disguise, which is uh, Will Smith and Tom Holland in an animated movie about where a super spy becomes a pigeon. No idea who's behind that. Uh, Downton Abbey is coming in 20th. Still no idea what that's about. Something called The Kitchen. Uh, it's coming out in uh, that same weekend. Uh, so I think over the summer I'm going to have to binge Downton Abbey to catch up for that whatever it is. The Kitchen is about Hell's Kitchen. Wives of New York gangsters in Hell's Kitchen in the 70s continue to operate their husband's racket after they're locked up in prison. Starring Melissa McCarthy, Elizabeth Moths, Domino Gleason, Tiffany Haddish. Okay, it's a comedy. Uh, Common, Alicia Coppola. So, oh no, it's a, it's a drama. Did not expect that. Not with that casting. So yeah, it's a drama from Andrea Berloff, who is best known for Straight Outta Compton and World Trade Center. Okay, then. Got it. So that's not a comedy. Got it. Got it. Okay. Uh, ending off September with uh, The Art of Racing in the Rain, which is an interesting title, but I'd never heard of it. A dog named Enzo recalls his life lessons he has learned from his race car driving owner, Denny. Kevin Costner, Amanda Seyfried. Kevin Costner is the voice of the dog. Why are we doing this? Why is this a thing? Damn it. Damn it. Oh, well. Uh, That same weekend is also something called Abominable. Uh, Starring Chloe Bennett from uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Magical Yeti must return to his family. So I'm guessing it's either... Okay, it's an animated movie. It's another animated movie about... Yeti? Okay, then. Uh, I'm sorry. Tenzing Norgay Trainer? I'm sorry. What? Hold on a goddamn second. The grandson of... Of Nip... Of Nip... Of Nepalese... Uh... Of of Nepalese uh, Everest guide Tenzing Norgay, first man to reach the summit of Mount Everest with Sir Edmund Hillary. 
Tenzing Norgay's grandson is an actor. And he's in a movie with Chloe Bennett. Weird. This timeline is the worst, man. I have no idea what's going on. Uh, anyway. Uh, tw- October 4th, we begin October with the Joker. Uh, with, well, just Joker. Uh, the, uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, Joker movie. We'll see about, uh, who's, who's making that one again? Todd Phillips is doing it. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. Zazie Beats is in that too. Interesting. De Niro's in it. Uh, it's, I, it seems to be going for like a, the killing joke, uh, Arthur Fleck storyline. Uh, Brett Cullen is, is replaced, has replaced Alec Baldwin as Thomas Wayne though. And, uh, who is that? Brett Cullen. Best known for, as a, he was a congressman in Dark Knight Rises. Uh, person of interest, Barton Blaze, Ghost Rider's dad. Okay. Interesting. Interesting choice. Uh, so that's coming out. Uh, same weekend, you've also got The Woman in the Window, which is, uh, agoraphobic woman living alone in New York being spying on her new, oh, it's like Rear Window. Interesting. Joe Wright, Amy Adams, starring Gary Oldman, Wyatt Russell. Uh, okay. Julianne Moore's in it. Anthony Mackie, Brian Tyree Henry. Solid casting there. Uh, who's Joe Wright? Uh, Pride and Prejudice from 2005. Uh, Atonement. Darkest Hour. Hannah. Okay. Solid director. Okay. And then next up, you've got... That same weekend, you've got uh, Gemini Man. Didn't think he'd get a movie before Mega Man. Uh, no, it's Ang Lee's new movie. It's about uh, an over-the-hill hitman faces off against a younger clone of him. Ooh. Interesting. So you've got Will Smith, Clive Owen, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Benedict Wong, Douglas Hodge. Uh, we think was also in Joker. I think he's supposed to be playing Alfred Pennyworth. So he's in two movies that same month. All right. So Ang Lee's new movie looks in- sounds interesting. We'll see how it plays out. I mean, he's doing a lot better now that he's out, out of the whole superhero stuff. I think his worst thing was when he tried to be mainstream with superhero movies. October 11th, Zombieland 2 is a go. Zombieland Double Tap. All the same guys are returning as well as the main cast. And they're all, you know, it's basically like the same amount of time has passed. Like 10 years or so. And uh, they're in the heartland face off against evolved zombies, fellow survivors, and the growing pains of the snarky makeshift family. Uh, yeah, same, all the same people are returning. Writers and director. Rosario Dawson's now being added. Zoe Deutsch is here. Uh, Zoe Deutsch replaced... Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Where's how do I get to the first one? Uh, Jesse Eisenberg, Bill Murray. Well, way to give that away, movie. Uh, okay, no, Abigail. Yeah, Abigail Breslin's here. So Zoe Deutsch is a new character. Okay, Rosario Dawson's here. Uh, some celebrity cameos. Uh, I already gave one away. Sorry. Um, and then Ian Gregg. But yeah, basically it's about same same group of characters. Uh, adding a couple more as they are going through the zombie wasteland. So it looks like, a, I think it's, I'm guessing it's going to be a less serious take on Walking Dead. That same weekend, we've also got something called The Goldfinch. Which is a drama about a boy in New York who was taken by a, in by a wealthy Upper East Side family after his mother is killed in a bombing at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. From John Crowley, who is best known for Brooklyn from 2015, Boy A, 
uh, intermission, closed circuit, directs a couple episodes of uh, True Detective. So this is his new movie. Uh, Peter Straun, uh writing the screenplay. He's best known as, uh, for writing Frank from 2014, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy, Oof, The Snowman. Hopefully that script was better than what ended up on screen. And The Debt. So, solid solid writer. Uh, Nicole Kidman, Sarah Paulson, Ansel Elgort, uh, Luke Wilson, Finn Wolfhard is in this. Uh, Jeffrey Wright. So, we'll see once the trailer comes out uh, what to think about it. October 18th, my birthday weekend. We've got the Addams Family animated movie from, who is it? Who's doing this? Is it Sony? Who's doing the Adams Family? What's the studio? Give me a studio. So it's like Metro Goldwyn, Seymour, Universal Pictures, Bermari Brown, Cinecite Animation. Okay, it's just MGM. Did not realize that. All right, uh, you got Oscar Isaac as Gomez Adams. What a great, great in live action too. Uh, Allison Janney's in this. Charlize Theron as Morticia. Great casting. Chloe Grace Moretz as Wednesday Adams. Solid. Uh, Amy Garcia. Nick Kroll as Uncle Fester. Okay. Yeah. Finn Wolfhard as Pugsley. Okay. Elsie Fisher is in here. Uh, Bette Midler as Grandmama. So solid casting all the way around. Uh, Greg Tiernan and Conrad Vernon are directors. Oof. Animation department on Don Bluth stuff. Uh, director of God of War, but also director of Sausage Party. He's also directed Thomas and Friends stuff. He's a lot of stuff on Thomas and Friends. Works a lot with Thomas and Friends. Uh, and then Conrad Vernon, uh, from who was the Gingerbread Man in Shrek, and directed Madagascar Three, Shrek Two, Sausage Party, Oof, Monsters vs. Aliens. So hopefully, it's not going to be like that. I think the the writing's going to be better than that garbage. Uh, Matt Lieberman is writing the screen Lieberman is writing the screenplay he also wrote the Christmas Chronicles and Dr. Doolittle Tale to the Chief man imagine having to come back from that 10 years later uh but yeah Christmas Chronicles it looks like nailed him this uh this thing and now he's also slated to do the Jetsons Scoob and Scooby-Doo okay and the Short Circuit remake so Apparently this guy got so popular from the Christmas Chronicles, he's just attached to everything. So yeah, uh, animation, lo- uh, the, the design looks good. Uh, we'll see how it looks in motion, though. Uh, and then, at some point, I'll, I'll talk about it in a bit. Uh, also, apparently, Are You Afraid of the Dark is getting a movie, but I, 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 so, so, who knows anymore. Uh, Terminator is getting another sequel. I don't know if it's directly after Genesis, but we're getting another one. Mackenzie Davis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda Hamilton. Are they screwing up the timeline again? God damn it. So yeah, Terminators again. Uh, Charlie's Angels is also uh, in November. November 1st. Uh, Elizabeth Banks is directing, as well as starring. Naomi Scott, Kristen Stewart. Uh, who are the other ones? Jamon Hunsu's in this. Who are the other... Angels. Elizabeth Banks is Bosley? Well, this is going to be an interesting take. Uh, I think it's going to be Naomi Scott, Kristen Stewart, Patrick Stewart, and uh, who's the other girl? Ella Balasinka? 
Belinska. Ellen Belinska looks like maybe the third angel. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, Elizabeth Banks is... I mean, the only thing I've seen Elizabeth Banks direct is those really bad uh, uh, Pitch Perfect movies. But... Uh, but, and who's David Auburn, the other writer? Right at the Lake House. And Proof. Weird. Uh, anyway, uh, The Girl in the Park. So, guy who writes dramas and Elizabeth Banks, who's ma- worked mainly in comedy, are doing the Charlie's Angels reboot. This should be an interesting watch. We'll see when the footage starts to come out. Oh, hey, November 8th, Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes, that's a thing that's happening. Yes, it's already got a release date. And there's also... And it's... It really is just, just the worst. Uh, ben Schwartz is the voice of Sonic. Okay. Tika Sumter's in it, apparently. Oh, boy. Secretary of Homeland. Hollywood, why are you like this? Just, just set it, just set it in. What's it called? What's his, what's his universe called? Mobius. Just set him in Mobius. Just make it fantasy. God, why are you like this, Hollywood? Why do you have to ruin everything? Same weekend, we've also got Kingsman 3, which was fast. Wasn't that just last year? Uh, spinoff of the Kingsman movie series, which will look at the spy organization at the turn of the 20th century. Matthew Vaughn directing, uh, starring Gemma Arterton, Aaron Taylor Johnson, Daniel Bruhl, Stanley Tucci, Charles Dance. It's a period piece. You'd think the Statesman would have gotten a movie before a period piece, but whatever. And, uh... Apparently, they're adapting Dr. Sleep as well, the uh, belated sequel to The Shining, uh, starring Rebecca Ferguson, Ewan McGregor as Danny Torrance, Bruce Greenwood. Uh, So they're adapting that with uh, Mike Flanagan and Kiva Goldsman writing. Oh, boy. Uh, The Haunting of Hill House, though. Uh, Gerald's Game on Netflix. Hush. Oculus. He's in bed in the editor, mainly. Is this his... Oh, but okay, good. This isn't his directorial debut. Ouija Origin of Evil, which was solid. Gerald's Game, never saw. Haunting of Hill House, which I heard good things. Before I Wake, Oculus, Absentia. Uh, so yeah, this is a solid horror director uh, behind this. Apparently, Akiva Goldsman's writing just a draft, though. No word on who's the final, final credit. Uh, Mike, oh, Mike Flanagan, writing and directing, solid. Uh, so he's going to be adapt. We're going to have two King adaptations in the same year. Weird. It's been a while since that's been a thing. That that, that was used to be a thing in the 80s. Uh, and then that same weekend is also something called Midway, which all I can think of as the arcade game. Battle of Midway. Makes more sense. Told by the leaders and the sailors who fought it. Roland Emmerich. With Patrick Wilson. And, Alex, and Darren Chris, Woody Harrelson. I don't know. I don't trust Roland Emmerich as far as I can throw him. So, ugh. Anyway, uh, continuing onward, November 15th is something called Last Christmas. Uh, plot unknown, described as a holiday romance set in London. Paul Feig, Amelia Clark, Michelle Yeoh, Emma Thompson. Screenplay by Tem- Emma Thompson. Okay, that gives me a little bit more uh, intrigue. So, Christmas movie in November, fine. Uh, Frozen 2 for Thanksgiving weekend, as well as something, as well as either the Playmobil movie or the, the, uh, Mr. Rogers movie. Apparently play, yes, the Playmobil movie is a thing. It is happening. Thank you, uh, Lego for ruining, for doing, for bringing this upon our households. 
Uh, Daniel Radcliffe, Anya Taylor-Joy, Gabriel Bateman, Jim Gaffigan, Adam Lambert. Oh boy, Adam Lambert! Megan Train, oh fine! It's one of the, it's, it's just ugly dolls. You didn't see anybody else, you didn't see Lego Movie pull this! They didn't even cast a bunch of singers to sing for the soundtrack, and they make a lot. God, that pisses me off for some reason. Anyway, uh, so that's either happening Thanksgiving weekend or August, and then uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor, the... Um, not Won't You Be My Neighbor, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Uh, the Tom Hanks, uh, Mr. Rogers movie. Hold on. Let me pull up Hanks. Because, yeah, I'm seeing a whole bunch of release dates that I'm not entirely certain of. For that one. Actor. Die Greyhound. That's producer. Actor. A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Where he's playing Fred Rogers. Uh, That's supposed to come out sometime later this year for the Oscar season. Matthew Reese, Tommy Blanchard, Enrico Cat. Colin Tony, uh, Chris Cooper's in it. Uh, Susan Kalichi Watson. Uh, two-time Oscar winner Tom Hanks portrays Mr. Rogers in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, a timely story of kind and then based on the true story of a real-life friendship between Fred Rogers and journalist Tom Janot. After a jaded magazine writer is assigned to a profile Fred Rogers, he overcomes his skepticism, learning about empathy, kindness, and decency from America's most beloved neighbor. Okay. So yeah, Fred, uh, Tom Hanks is playing Fred Rogers, in case you didn't already know. Anyway, continuing onward, after Thanksgiving, we've got... Oh, uh, that same weekend was also uh, something called The Rhythm Section, which is a thriller. Woman seeks revenge against those who are considered a plane crash that killed her family. Blake Lively, again. Uh, Jude Law, Sterling K. Brown. Cool. Whatever. Uh, who's directing? Uh, Reed Morano is directing who's best known for i think we're alone now and the handmaid's tale okay that gives me def- that definitely gives me more intrigue so she's directing the movie but blah, blah. anyway ending out november is knives out which is plot unknown described as a modern murder mystery in a classic whodunit style cool uh director ryan johnson okay cool ryan johnson's new movie Anna de Armas, uh, Chris Evans, Tony Collette, Daniel Craig, Michael Shannon, Jamie Lee Curtis, Catherine Langford, Lakeith Stanfield, Christopher Plummer, Don Johnson, Ricky Lindholm. Okay, solid, solid casting too. So we'll see how that we'll see more about that as it comes out. There's going to be a Jumanji sequel. Let me see who's returning. Plot kept under wraps. Apparently, all the four slated to come back along with Aquafina. And the same four characters from the last movie, Danny DeVito, is going to be in it. Not sure what the plot is going to be this time. Because they, they've answered the questions, what's going to why? Anyway, uh, December 20th, we've got Star Wars Episode Nine from uh, J- from J.J. Abrams. Uh, no word on plot or anything of that nature. But apparently, according to IMDb, it's the finale of the Skywalker saga. So take that as you will. And then that same weekend is also apparently a movie adaptation of Cats uh, from Tom Hooper uh, and from based directly on uh, the old Possum's books, uh, books of Practical Cats by T.S. Eliot. But I'm guessing it's taking its more taking more inspiration from the 
Andrew Lloyd Webber musical? Yeah, Andrew Lloyd Webber the musical. Idris Elba? Okay. Take a look at this cast. I really... Is it animated? Oh, no. Please tell me it's CG animated, at least. I... We do not need to see these people in full face makeup and looking like furries. Oh, boy. See, I think cats would work great as an animated movie because then you could just animate the cats. But, ooh, I don't know about this. Anyway, uh, Idris Elba is Macavity. Rebel Wilson is Jenny Annie Dots. Uh, Judy Dench is Deuteronomy. Ian McKellen is Gus the Theater Cat. James Corden is Bustopher Jones. Taylor Swift as Bomb- Bombalurina. Jennifer Hudson is Grizabella. Robert Fairchild as Monkastrap. Uh, Jason, De- Jace- Jason Derulo as Rum Tum Tugger. Way to blow the wind, take the wind out of my sails in one sentence, movie. So yeah, Tom Hooper's directing. Lee Hall is writing. Uh, Tom Hooper, who just did Les, who did Les Miserables, The King's Speech, Danish Girl. So he knows. So hopefully it'll work better than his Les Mis. Which I liked, but definitely has its problems. But we'll see come come uh, December. And then finally, we end uh, with Little Women. Uh, Christmas has Little Women by Greta Gerwig directing. Uh, Timothée Chalamet, Saoirse Ronan, Florence Pugh. Uh, basically, an adapta- Emma Watson's in it. So it's basically an adapta- Meryl Streep, Bob Odenkirk, Laura Dern. Uh, basically, an adaptation of Little Women uh, by Greta Gerwig. Writing and directing. So, look forward to that. I never got the chance to see that Pure Flix one. Yes! Uh, anyway, we also have another adaptation of Call of the Wild. Done in animation by Chris Sanders from Disney. The guy who did Lilo and Stitch. Neat. Karen Gillan, Harrison Ford, Dan Stevens, Jean Louisa Kelly, Omar, Omar C. West Brown. Okay, including a bunch of uh, indigenous actors. Good, good. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, another Call of the Wild thing by Chris Sanders. So we'll see if it's 2D or CG. Because he does both. Because he's also... Did he... Is he doing... How to Train Your Dragon? He did the Croods. Uh, I think that's the last thing he did. Apparently they're doing Croods too. Uh, he only did the first How to Train Your Dragon. And then Lilo and Stitch. And then he, used, he wrote and directed the Croods for DreamWorks as well. Uh... So he's doing the Croods too, but he's also doing this. Uh, he's also directing this Call of the Wild movie. So we'll see if it do- who's who's animating. Who's an- three arts anima- entertainment? Twentieth Century Fox. Techno props. Three arts. They did Russian Doll. Worked on Brooklyn Nine Nine. The Office. Good place. Bunch of TV. Not seeing a lot of animation. King of the Hill. So, I'm not sure what that's about. So, no word on who the animators who the animators are. Unless it's Technoprops? Who did Warcraft, Avengers, Inf- Avengers uh, Age of Ultron, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Huh. So, that's something. So, yeah, that's basically what we all we've got so far. There's a bunch of other stuff that I couldn't, that never really settled down on a uh, release date. There's like a Minecraft movie coming out. There's a the Steven Spielberg's West Side Story remake, the new Shaun the Sheep movie, uh, a whole bunch of others. Like this is so far, I probably should have wait, done only the first half of the year just because so much of the year ahead is still up in the air. 
But yeah, uh, also apparently 2020 has opening with The Voyage of Dr. Doolittle. Starring Rami Malek. Uh, Stephen Gangan, who is best known for Syriana, Traffic, Gold. I'm sorry, is this like a, is this like a fanciful adventure? Co- huh. Huh with that. But Rami Malek is a voice. Carmen Ijogo is a voice. Robert Downey Jr. is Dr. Doolittle. Tom Holland is in it. Ray Fiennes. So they're doing essentially a period. It looks like, it sounds like a period piece. But, but more, but like a mix of the Eddie Murphy Dr. Doolittle with the original Dr. Doolittle? Huh. Huh with that. That's 2020, but that's 2020. So 2019 has got, has got, uh, it, it seems to be hit and miss. It definitely seems hit and miss. There's a Kingsman spinoff. There's some really solid dramas. It, we're going to get some conclusions with stuff like it. And, uh, holy crap. That's three Stephen King adaptations in one year. I don't remember that ever happening. Uh, but yeah, there's a bunch of mediocre stuff that looks like stuff, stuff that's been delayed. Uh, some interesting ideas that seem to be popping up. Something, some things to dread, like forty-seven meters down at two, and uh, Aladdin a bit, and what was the other one? Uh, Angry Birds two, Playmobil the movie, Ugly Dolls. Uh, what was the one that was going to dethrone uh, what men want? Uh, where was it? After, after we got that looked forward to, Curse of La Llorona. Uh, oof. So yeah, we'll see. Uh, come years and come years and what all has come out. But for right now, that's sort of what's coming up in uh, 2019. So with that being said, uh, I'm gonna give my voice a quick rest, get some more tea, and I'll be back with uh, the final stuff, such as the box office report. And now the popcorn junkie checks in with this week's box office report. All right, this weekend of the box office report, we saw a bunch of stuff drop down as new stuff started taking over. Uh, dropping out of the top seven entirely are Miss Bala, which dropped drastically from three to ten. Uh, Spider-Man is the Spider-Verse finally dropped out. Aquaman's finally out. And uh, The Kid Who Would Be King dropped out as well. So, staying in at number seven is Green Book, which brought in $3.5 million this weekend. Bring its domestic gross up to sixty-one and a half, and its worldwide gross over a hundred million dollars for a very, very overrated remake of Driving Miss Daisy. Let's be real. Premiering at number six is The Prodigy, which brought in six million dollars this weekend, which is exactly how much it costs to make. So, uh, once they can double that, everything after that is profit. So, it's not a runaway success. Sadly, I think maybe if they gave it until like March or something, it make it could have done better, but. Uh, I maybe I think probably it didn't help that the marketing wasn't very good. It didn't really entice people to see this creepy kids movie. So creepy kid uh, horror movie. So uh, well, so yeah. Uh, hopefully it does better. But eh, I mean, I'm I wouldn't be. I'm not all that shocked that it's not doing that well either. Finally, dropping down from number one to number five is Glass, which brought in six point four million this weekend, bringing its domestic gross almost to ninety eight point four million. And it's worldwide gross over $200 million. So what Shyamalan plans to do with this next? Who knows? Maybe does he plan to do something with this? Who knows? We'll see. Time will tell. Uh, overcoming that, though, dropping only from two to four is the upside with $7.2 million. 
and bringing in $85.8 million and, and worldwide gross up to $94.7 million. So this is why staying, getting repeat viewings is the real key. Like if you can maintain where you're at for long enough, you'll have success. It's not going to be like blockbuster success. Like it's not going to be mind mind boggling number success, but if you can make, make stay there, stay low enough under the radar to stick around long enough, you, you can do well enough. You can do well. So the upside did that, just that. Premiering at number three is Cold Pursuit, which cost 10.8 million, which brought in $10.8 million. Uh, no foreign markets to speak of. And let's take a look at Wiki for the budget since Box Office Mojo decided not to have it. Rotten Tomatoes, Wikipedia. Cost $60 million to make. Which makes sense because they're filming in like real snow conditions. So, ouch. Ouch. That's rough. That's super rough. Oh, man. Sorry, Cold Pursuit. Oof. I can see why you don't want people to know your budget. That's a, that's a, that's an ouchie. That's an ouchies for sure. Uh, premiering at number two is What Men Want at $19 million, which, uh, with no other foreign markets, uh, helping it out, which is basically what it costs to make. So, if they can double that, that's, they're in the money, they're fine. So, whatever. Anyway, uh, premiering at number one, not shockingly, is the Lego Movie Part 2, the second part, uh, which brought in $3.4 million domestically and opened worldwide at $52.5 million. And it cost, let me take a look at Wiki again. I swear, people at Box Office Mojo need to like cross-reference stuff so that they have that information, unless they're legally not allowed to by the studios. Uh, cost $99 million to make. Uh, so made only half of that back the first weekend. But how much did the, uh, Lego movie open up at? Lego movie opened up at $69 million. Made only half of what the, of what the first Lego movie did opening weekend. And premiered behind, the only thing it premiered ahead of was the Ninjago movie. So... I think people are getting. I think I think people were seeing the writing on the wall and saying this is not going to be as good, is it? And uh, we'll see if word of mouth keeps it going. But I would not be surprised if this ended up only uh, only underperforming behind, uh, only outperforming the Ninjago movie because it's not as big of a runaway success as Lego Movie was, and I doubt it will be because they don't think the. The thing is, the the spark is there. I think Warner's, unfortunately, between the th- four movies, has kind of already made the property kind of stale, and they need to revitalize it in some way. So yeah, that was this past weekend. Uh, that well, now that we're done with the week that was, let's look, look, take a look at the week ahead in trailer talk. Coming this summer. It's Trailer Talk. Rated R starts Friday. We've got three major releases this weekend. Uh, the ones that I didn't talk about uh, during the discussion portion. First up, 
we have the major release this weekend, the one that's been pretty anticipated and seemingly going fairly well from early screenings. And that is Robert Rodriguez and James, yeah, James Cameron's uh, uh, Alita Battle Angel. This might actually be a solid uh, anime adaptation, but let's take a look at that trailer and see. Crystal Thoughts. Good to see him still kicking. I'm not sure who this actress is, and I can I can never quite tell what's real and what's augmented and what's CG. I know the parts that are robot are actual CG. You are the most human person I have ever met. He said to the CG animation. <laughs> Lightstorm Entertainment. Didn't I tell you to be home before dark? I just lost track of time. Alita, you have to be responsible. You are someone very special. Hey, kid. Not just a teenager. Hey, Jennifer Connelly. Hey, what's your problem? You can't remember. What do you mean? Doc found you in the scrapyard. So you must be from up there. And I'm just an insignificant girl. That's what they want you to think. From James Cameron and John Landau. I don't know what I am. I do. You have the most advanced weapon ever. But that's the producers of Avatar and Titanic. It's not bad or good. That part's up to you. And Robert Rodriguez, director of Sin City. I do not stand by. In the presence of evil. She's threatening the natural order of things. Tonight is not a game. This February. It is a heart. Hi, Marshal Ali. An angel falls. A A warrior rises. The biggest mistake of your life. And what's that? Underestimating who I am. The girl gives me some pause. I can't tell how much of her is going to be good or not, just from the trailer. Alita, Battle Angel. Yeah, it was also supposed to come out already. Like, that was that says February 6th, so they've been postponing it a bit. That, that, and I'm not sure what, what the reasoning behind that is, but uh, who's the girl? Alita, Battle Angel... Starring Jackie O'Haley's in this and screen. Uh, Rosa Salazar seems to be playing uh, uh, the girl, uh, Alita. Uh, she was just in Bird Box. She's in the Divergent series, Insurgent, Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials, and Death Cure, Horror Story, American Horror Story. Um, uh, something called The Kindergarten Teacher. So. Not very familiar with her, but they didn't really do much to augment her face. So uh, they just made her eyes slightly bigger. Uh, we'll see what it look. We'll see how it plays out in, uh, in the final product. But uh, yeah, I'm 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 excited. I'm definitely my interest has been peaked, and the more I've seen, the more I'm thinking. Okay, okay, I think I think they've got this. I think they've got this. So we'll see how um, 
We'll see how it handles. Uh, I doubt it's going to be that. I mean, it's it's going to be really hard to compare this to the manga because you're adapting from a very extensive story into a much more condensed one. That that's just the problem with the medium uh, and adaptation. But it. But yeah, uh, I'm ex- I'm very excited. I'm very intrigued. So we'll see how it looks when it comes out. That same weekend, since it is Valentine's Day, we got a romantic comedy. And that is, isn't it romantic? Let's take a look. It's just a movie. You see, Natalie, life's not a fairy tale. Girls like us don't get that. But why? Well, look in the mirror, doll. We're no Julia Roberts. Aww. 25 years later. That... Natalie's saying that romantic comedies are bad. All those movies are lies. They're terrible pop songs. I think people would have an easier time seeing you if you were a little more open. Hey, I'm Jack. Natalie. Give me the purse! Why does this shit always happen to me? Where am I? You're in the emergency room. This isn't an emergency room. This is a Williams-Sonoma. I mean, the critiques are on point. Beauty filter across New York City. 911, what's your emergency? Someone's broken into my apartment and they've taken everything and replaced it all with much nicer stuff. So your emergency is that your apartment is too big and you have every shoe you could ever want. Yeah, exactly. That's what I... um... I, uh... From New Line Cinema. Crazy. I hit my head really hard and I woke up in this alternate universe. And now I have a gay sidekick who's setting gay rides back like a hundred years. I love working the legs. Jesus! And guys looking me in the eyes. You're quite beguiling, aren't you? <laughs> Are you feeling what I'm feeling? That guy yeah. feels like a knockoff Chris Hemsworth. I'll have to check I who that is. This Valentine's Day. Okay, Booch, what's the update? I have to get a man to fall in love with me. Boom, 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 yes. Rebel Wilson. I'm Josh. That is such a beautiful name. Good morning, beautiful. Last night was amazing. I don't think we actually did anything and just cut to the next morning. What? Get back here. Okay. <laughs> Good morning, beautiful. Last night was amazing. Natalie, I. You know what? I'm I'm definitely concerned just because parody is such a hard line to cross. You have to you have to make fun of the thing without ultimately becoming the thing you know you have to that's why satire has become dead in the age of the internet it it is it is such a hard line to be to that is a hemsworth i was right i recognized it he's doing full australian accent too um adam devine's here priyanka chopra i think isn't she from the good place yeah from the good place uh She's so yeah. She's the Adam Devine's love interest. Uh, no, uh, well, wait, Baywatch. Not, no, yes. Wait, wait a second. Television presenting a stage before music career, acting career, in the media. 
They don't tell me if she's in the good place. I'm thinking of somebody else. I'm thinking of the other girl. I'm thinking the... the yeah, this is Priyanka Chopra. She married Nick Jonas. She's not the one in uh, The Good Place. Uh, but she was just in... What was it? Uh, she was just in Baywatch as the villain. Uh, but yeah, she's a Indian actress. Uh, and, main, and mainly has been basically doing... Uh, um, like, what's it called? Uh, philanthropy. Uh, but she's going to be the love interest for uh, Adam Devine. And then Rebel Wilson and Liam, ne- Liam, Liam Neeson, Liam Hemsworth are going to be the love interests for the, for the main part. But, uh, yeah. It, who's uh, behind this? Todd Strauss-Schulson is directing. He did A Herald and Kumar Christmas, The Inbetweeners, Zach Stone is going to be famous, The Final Girls. So, Pretty decent uh, comedy pedigree behind him. Uh, written by Aaron Cardillo, or Cardillo, not sure which, uh, who wrote on In the Mix. Oh, oh, who remembers In the Mix when Usher tried to be in a movie? Oh, that's lovely. And The Box from 2007, which was uh, Gabrielle Union and A.J. Buckley and Giancarlo Esposito. So not the one I'm thinking of. From, I think, 2010, which was uh, Darren Aronofsky. I tried to do a uh, Twilight Zone episode. Um, man, not a whole lot. Uh, wait. Was that acting? That was acting. That was acting, not writing. Uh, let me go to her IMDb. That would probably be better. Uh, she wrote Life Sentence for the CW. Uh, significant other, significant mother, uh, passions, writer, uh, an episode of Fuller House. Uh, yeah, so this seems to be her first real major speak. Oh no, she did something called Speak Now. Uh, secrets loosed at a wedding caused chaos. Okay, so this is her latest uh, attempt to uh, write for major film comedy. And then, who was the other writer on this? Uh, Dana Fox. Dana Fox, who was best known for How to Be Single. Eh, that didn't disappoint me. I mean, it was just kind of there. I think I was right, and that was right in the midst of Fifty Shades, so I really had no interest in Dakota Johnson. Maybe it'll be, it'll be better on revisiting. Couples Retreat, What Happens in Vegas, The Wedding Date, uh, Bed and Kate, uh, Children's Hospital, Couples Retreat, Okay, yeah, couple's retreat. Uh, she's apparently a task with the Cruella DeVille movie with Emma Stone. So, you know, romantic comedy pedigree. So that's fine. Uh, any more? And then one more. Katie Silberman, who is best known for hot pr- producing Hot Pursuit. Ugh. Uh, set it, something called Set It Up, which is Zoe Deutsch. Two corporate executive assistants hatch a plan to matchmake their two bosses. Okay, weird. Uh, Lucy Liu, Glenn Powell, Tay Diggs. Uh, kind of sounds like American Sweetheart. America, American Sweethearts. What was it? What was that thing? Uh, yeah, I think American Sweethearts, the Billy Crystal comedy, where it's like the assistants to the to the power couple try to America Sweethearts. Yeah, John Q. 
Billy Crystal and Julia Roberts keep Catherine Zeta-Jones and John Cusack together. Movie publicist deals with the messy public split of his movie's co-stars while keeping reporters at bay while a recursive director holds the film's print hostage. Yeah, I remember that from back in the day. Never saw it, but yeah. Uh, That one sounds pretty much like that. Set it up sounds like a much more like kitschy version of this. Not as Hollywood. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, so this should be fine. Uh, Aaron Cardillo's the main one behind this. And then, uh, you know, I don't... Like, Rebel Wilson is, can be hit or miss. Adam Devine is usually pretty good. Liam Hemsworth is actually pretty solid in his own right. Uh, Priyanka Chopra is solid. Faith Logan... Faith Logan, she is all over the place lately. She's gonna be... Uh, She's going to be a, an extra in a bunch of Marvel movies. She's going to be an extra in John Wick. Uh, she is... Uh, she's going to be in... What was it? Uh, what else was it? Uh, she's got a bunch of stuff coming up. Uh, I'm not seeing... I saw her name. I saw her name in a bunch of stuff. Where's her... They, oh, weird. Maybe... Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, this should be... This should be fine. Uh, we'll see when it comes out, but this shouldn't be too cloying, uh, hopefully. And then lastly, we've got Happy Death Day to you. Happy Death Day to you. We made this because we hate you, movie reviewers. Happy Death Day to you. Suck it. Here's the trailer. Dude. Help. I am tripping right now. I feel like I've totally lived through this day already. Did you know Yes. The day reset when you died, right? Yeah. I might be able to help with that. I died 11 times. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. This It's this trailer. We're living the same day. It's literally explaining the plot from the first movie. Turns out it was my roommate, Lori. Thanks for completely explaining the plot for this movie. Thanks. Thanks for that. Also, seriously, what college has a baby in the Crimson Tide? A, a, a slang term for periods is a better name, this better mascot than the parody, than this baby. Why? How? What? This doesn't make any sense. It's coming after all of us. If you don't reset the day and try again, they're dead for good, aren't they? So I'm gonna have to die over and over again to save all of you. I mean, I guess you could just reset the day yourself. Genius idea. This Valentine's Day. Yeah. If I don't stop together, more people will die. Failure's not an option. Focus. Makes. A killer comeback. I'm literally dying to figure this out. Oh, hey, you're up. I'm so done with you. I'm on borrowed time here. Oh, good! Oh, good! It's like, now we're doing a quantum fake st- Oh! Oh, this movie's dumber than ever! I can't wait! Crisis mode tree. 
Who's gonna pledge Kappa now that we have a death curse? I don't know, Mom! Seriously, you're just somebody's mom! You're not in college! God! God, this, this franchise! God! I hate this timeline so much! Uh, so yeah, happy death day to you. Gonna have that to look forward to. Can, can somebody kill me and reset just existence? I'll take that. Anyway, that about does it for this week. Which means it is time for the plugs. If you're listening to this podcast, you're most likely listening to us on our homepage at GumbyCatNetworks.com. And if you want to keep up to date on all the new episodes as they come out, be sure to favorite our page and whitelist on your ad blocker. And be sure to check out all of our other fine programming while you're at it. Uh, new episode of uh, Living in the Stacks will be this week, coming this Friday. It will be about Fever 1793. So if you want to learn more about... Uh, uh, I keep wanting to say Scarlet Fever. It's Yellow Fever. Yellow Fever, the Yellow Fever epidemic in uh, Philadelphia, 1793. Uh, our, co- our co-host Max is the one in charge of that episode. So come check us out. Uh, also be sure to check out Donna's stuff at uh, Snarkast and all the cool stuff she's doing. Uh, Vanessa's still, I believe, running uh, Odd, uh, Las Vegas Oddities and doing the Odd Vegas cast. So, yeah. And if you yourself are a uh, podcast producer and you want to come join our ranks, you, you can send us a, a query at gumbycatnetworks at gmail.com and we'll get back to you. Otherwise, if you want to follow the podcast, you can do so at your various uh, podcasting providers. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher. We're on all of that and hoping to expand into Podbean pretty soon. But uh, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review and let people know that you like the show and that they should check it out as well. You can also do that by checking our social media out and sharing us through your own. Uh, Facebook.com slash Popcorn Junkie is where the main hub is. Uh, Twitter at Corn Junkie Pod is where I'm most active. Instagram, I'm just I'm just kind of there until I figure out something better to do with it. Uh Maybe I'll do like movie maybe I'll do like videos or something like I try to do with Stardust. Maybe I'll upload the Stardust videos to Instagram. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm going to try and figure out something to do with it. But uh, speaking of Stardust, you can also check me out there at Popcorn Junkie. Uh, Popcorn Junkie Podcast on Instagram. Uh, Popcorn Junkie on uh, Stardust, where you can see my reactions to uh, either trailers or even the new releases or stuff that I'm going to be covering. So if you want to hear my thoughts initially and get my initial reaction to stuff, you can follow me there. And come join us. We're having a lot of fun. You should, too. And if there's anything else you want to say to me, any kind of feedback you want to give, corrections I need to make... Share your thoughts on the movies I watched. Uh, share your thoughts on the stuff that's coming out in 2019. Did I miss something that you're really hyped for? Uh, let me know uh, at popcornjunkiepodcast at gmail.com. R- lay it out in either the subject line or the message that you would give me permission to air the email, and I will do so. Otherwise, I'll simply paraphrase. Uh, so send all that to popcornjunkiepodcast at gmail.com. That does it for this week's episode. Until next time, I'm John Bailey, and it has been a three-hour episode trying to condense all of the crap coming out this year. Whew! 2019 is going to be a ride, folks. The theme song for Popcorn Junkie is Funky Popcorn by The M. Look up Funky Popcorn by the letter M on SoundCloud for more of their music. Artwork provided by Nafio. N-A-F-Y-O. Look up nafio.deviantarts.com for more of his artwork.
going to actually do this on mic so you people know that I'm not lying to you. Drinking that good tea. That throat coat tea. Ah, save that for the end. <laughs>